Thank you. Okay, welcome to, if you've been following us from the start, day three of uh, uh, Petrosian Week. I'm Kyle McLaughlin of the Fight Site, joined by Bubba of the Fight Site and uh, Luca Bordon of uh, Bloody Elbow. Boys, do you want to introduce yourself? Let's go, Bubba. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm Bubba Smith on Twitter. So you know me as Bubba Smith of uh, R. Hamadidian in my articles for the Fight Site. And uh, I'm a former fighter, coach, and uh, passionate about all things boxing and what I for 25 years. Lovely. Uh, yeah, I'm Lucas Bourdon. I write about uh, boxing and kickboxing for Bloody Elbow. Uh, I haven't fought that much. I fought a, a bit of, as an amateur, but I've done, been doing like, combat sports for, for about 15 years now. So there you go. There's, I'm, the, I'm the biggest pussy in the in the podcast for the first time ever, basically. So both the boys would kick my ass. Luckily, they're about an hour over the channel. So I'm safe <laughs> from, the, from the comfort of my bedroom. Um, what we're going to be doing today, guys, is a... Not just a commentary on, on the fights of the uh, K1 World Match 2010 finals, but our recollections of the era of the fights, you know, a lot of tangents, I'm sure, and uh, you guys can either listen along or you can listen along and watch along because we're going to drop the uh, the link should be in the podcast description and we're going to tell you guys when we hit play, which I think we're going to do shortly and we'll sort of talk about what the what this era of K1 was because we, we were all watching it at the time. Um, I'm going to try and put it in its sort of time and place for you guys. And me telling you this was during my first trip to uh, Thailand doesn't really put it in the time time and place for anyone. So I'll try and contextualise it with some other combat sports that were going on at the time. So should we hit play shortly, guys? Yeah, let's go. I'm okay, ready. So we're going we're to hit play in three, two, one, and here we go. So, what's your recollection, boys? Were you were you excited? I mean, if you're watching the same link we're watching, this was the classic Eurosport coverage Fight Club, which uh, a lot of us used to watch back in the uh, in the in the 2000s. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, all of us in Europe, I think, because Eurosport uh, is the name, and we were all watching it from uh, from that show. Whether if you're in France, in Holland, in England, that you. Everyone in Europe, so that was great actually. That was great podcast, I think. Yeah, and yeah, I was excited because uh, I think I, I started following Max in like 20, 2005, 2006. And uh, yeah, it, it was a bit of a weird time for K1 because you, you could tell it was starting to, co to come and down. A little bit, but yeah, very excited about uh, seeing Petro. That was uh, after his first win. The first one is in 2009, and uh, that was where really, uh, the years after the retirement of Masato, so uh, a transition era for uh, for 70 kilo kickboxing. Yeah, what's interesting for anyone that's read our other pieces on Petro is that uh, you guys kind of knew about him anyway going into you know you had, a, had an inkling, right, Bubba? You'd, you'd seen him fight on on a, on a card that oh, you fought on or one of your friends had fought on. Is that right? You'd already seen him in the flesh. Yeah, a lot of times actually, because one of my t he fought one of my older teammates, you know, one of my big brothers from the gym, and uh, that guy was very strong. He was named Mohamed Burkis. In Europe, uh, people were aware of him, you know, and uh, Petro kind of dominated him with ease, and he was like 18 or 19, I don't remember. And that, that was insane, you know. 
Uh, next card I was fighting in, he fought also and won in the first one, KO in the first one. And uh, everybody, you know, in the in the local rooms were like, this young man, you know, is very good. I'm one year older than Petro, but everyone was looking at him like, he's going to be very big, he's going to be big. And uh, he confirmed that, you know. Well, for anyone who's not aware of what's going on here, you might have thought that maybe you're watching the wrong video. Um, <laughs> look, this is this is what came, this is what Japanese combat sports brought to the table. You did have these crazy things, and it's Nagashima, well known for their crazy intros, his crazy <coughs> intros and uh, ring walks, uh, inspired by cosplay and anime and all these idol culture and all this kind of stuff. So, um. You have not stumbled into the wrong video. We're not weirdos that are trying to uh, trick you. There is definitely a fight going on. And um, the bold guy is, uh, is Mike Zambides. So, uh, Luca, why don't you tell us a little bit about Zambides for those that don't, that don't know who he is. Oh, yeah, he's one of the most exciting fighters in uh, K1 history. Uh, so, he was a, a Greek fighter. Yeah, I think he started really getting his name, his name uh, out there like in the early 2000s in... Um, in Australia mostly, he fought, uh, I think that was like 2002, the Melbourne uh, K1 Grand Prix to qualify for, um, for K1 Max, yeah. where he fought uh, John Wayne Parr and beat him and in a great fight. And he trained by Stan right? He trained with him, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he trained with Longinidis. Who's somewhat of a, 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 an earlier kickboxer, right? Yeah, uh, one of the early greats of uh, of uh, heavyweight kickboxing. Fought uh, Maurice Smith, lost to him because Maurice Smith is, is absolutely great and doesn't and get course, enough respect. Uh, yeah, great fighter. Doesn't get enough respect either in MMA or in kickboxing. He's uh, me and Ryan actually spoke about Maurice Smith on our last Patreon podcast for anyone who isn't aware and and how important he was to the actual MMA matter, not just for the time, but for how we know it today. He's one of the most pioneering fighters in MMA history to some extent. Um, you know, what Morris Smith did in the uh, in the MMA, in the cage, uh, pretty much set the tone for what we know about MMA today, which is very, very interesting. Uh, Zabidis, obviously, is well known for his amazing fight with, uh, with Jade, which was before... This? Yeah, it was before this. Yeah. It was, uh, I think before. it was this yeah. year. The final 16 of, of that year. Okay, there you go. Which was obviously, actually, for us guys, we remember that every, you know, if you were on the forums at this sort of time, people were talking about that fight that weren't kickboxing fans. People would have heard about that fight and how crazy it was. So, um, the crazy thing is, K1 at this time, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is starting to die, certainly under the, as we as we know it. And yep. as, as we see um, Diabetes walk down now, this is a small arena. This is not this is not what we come to expect from Max, which usually was packed out, uh, what, 16,000 people. Um, this looks to be maybe five to 10,000. Yeah, yeah, best, it was like 5K, something like that. Yeah, which is sad. Um, there was internal problems. There was money issues, etc. And um, so K1 was dying, but... They were still putting on great events and great fights, so it's a yeah, it's a great show. lineup uh, still. Yeah, yeah it's strange. The, the roster was still the the best, uh, the, the very best. Even though they they tried to change some things, you know, they let go of Fuaco and uh, and Andy Sawa, yep. 
and uh, they, they tried to, to bring another tie. The tie was Sakat Pech, Sorsa Kumpan. If you, if you are Babarim, he was a Lupini champion at like lightweight, something like that. Yep. And uh, they, they, they changed the, the roster a little bit, you know, but uh, it didn't, in the end, it didn't really work. So just to try and put this in the context for you guys, this is the last Max. We think this is the last Max tournament under the old management, uh, Ishii and, and those guys and, and what have you. I think I think he was still working there at the time. Was he, was he still there? Uh, I'm not sure if he was still at the time because I think he went to prison at some at some point. Yeah. Oh shit. And okay, yeah, I think he was already in prison. I don't know if he, if he was still in prison, but I think he he already went to prison. Oh okay. But it's essentially the old management. Yeah, it's a Fiji, uh, and I think the boss then was uh, Tanikawa. After this, we have the you know the wilderness years after this, and now we have K1, which is back because it's. It's now focused on the lower weight classes and the Japanese talent mainly, and they're doing a fantastic job. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Some people don't realise that there was K1 before the last three or four years, which is a shame. Um, and at this point, K1 was the big international brand. So just to give you guys an idea of what was going on, um, we compiled a very short list before this podcast. So this might seem like a long time ago, Um but it's not that long ago. Put it this way. This event is about one year after Jose Aldo first won the WEC title uh, against Mike Brown. Two months after this event is when Alistair Overeem won the uh, the heavyweight Grand Prix, which I'm sure everyone remembers. And uh, our own Danny Martin did a fantastic article on, which I think is one of the most read, widely read articles in fights like history. Uh, yeah. About a month before this, uh, Manny Pacquiao had fought Antonio Margarito, which was probably the end of Pacquiao's prime, but Funny enough, he's still fighting at a high level now, some 12 years later. Um, six months, around six months after Fabrizio Verdum gave uh, a handed Fedor Emelianenko the first legitimate loss of his career. And around six months before John Jones beat uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua for the live heavyweight title. So hopefully that will pinpoint listeners where they are in, in this time and place. And, um, and speaking of Pacquiao still fighting, of course... Uh, as we record this, we're a few weeks away. As you're listening, you're maybe two days away from Petrosian fighting again. So, you know, it's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. Yeah. Guys, what do you want to what do you want to talk about this fight? Obviously, Zambini's as people might think he's like like a short, sort of stocky kind of guy, and he was. But he often fought bigger guys, and he's a he's an aggressive power hooking kind of fighter. But uh, what can you tell guys about about Nagashima? Uh, he was a pretty decent fighter. The, he's always, all the people thinking he's a gimmick because uh, of the cosplay and everything like that. But he, uh, what was he up to uh, at this time? He won uh, the Japanese Grand Prix to, quali to yep. qualify and beat uh, Hiroki Nakajima, who was undefeated back then. And uh, yep. his career didn't go so well after that, but he was a really high prospect for, um, for Japan at the time. So yeah, he, he wasn't a great, great fighter. He, uh, he beat Kentai in uh, he had a win uh, against Ayato, decent Japanese fighter in K1 already. But he lost to Shuyan, pretty one of the first uh, Chinese fighters to really make an impact yeah. uh, internationally, and to Albert Cross, who was starting to get on in years uh, by the time, as we talk about it later. 
but it's been uh, that was a really tough fight for the number of fights he had. He had like 12 fights and he was fighting at Barkhouse. And uh, to qualify in the, to, for the GP in the final 16, he beat uh, Andre Dida, who was a coach uh, for, I think, uh, Shooter Box at the time, I want to say? Yeah, he was, yeah, Dida was, yeah, yeah Brazilian, yeah. The striking coach for the shooter box. Yes. Yeah, and he uh, was mostly famous in kickboxing for going to an, uh, to an extra round with uh, Boacau. But there you go. And obviously we see, we see straight away that, as I said, Zambelius is just ultra-aggressive. I, I think a lot of people think nowadays, oh, you know, he was always in the wrong weight class. I disagree, you know. He was, he was at so many max tournaments and used his sort of low centre of gravity to his advantage. Uh, uh, yeah. Farmer, what do you think? Do you think he was he no, going to be a, a lower weight class today, or happy to see him at uh, at, at this weight? The, the 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 thing is, Mike is from another era, you know. It is the era where the the kickboxing and the Muay Thai guys weren't cutting weight like they are doing today, you know. Yes. So he was to me he was in the right weight class because he stayed there for like 15 years and he knocked people out left and right for 15 years. Yes. So he, first time I saw it. I saw him fight, it was, it was like 2001, he fought a French kickboxer named Bakari Tukara. Bakari Tukara is like, I, I'm sorry, I don't know about the, the you know, the, the English, me, the US metrics, so I'll say it in uh, Europe metrics. Bakari is like uh, 194 centimeters, something like that. So, Over six feet. Six foot, about six foot three. Yeah, um, Mike knocked him out with uh, an over and right. And he was a very good kickboxer, guy. So, no, Mike, he was in the in, in the right weight class. He was very powerful, very aggressive, uh, a legit slugger. And you couldn't trade with, with the guy, you know. You had well, we're going to gonna see actually later on because um, we're going to see, and I don't want to say, I don't, I'm kind of um, curious of like, not spoiling this for people, but also this was like over 11 years ago, coming up to 12 calendar years ago. So I yeah. don't want to not spoil it, but there's something mm. later on in Zambini's fight that we see, so I'm kind of spoiling who wins this one, where yeah. we see his punching power and his punching ability, and, I'll, and I want to get to that, because um, you, got, you guys already know what I'm talking about, of course, about a, uh, a possible knockdown that did or did not happen, yeah? So yeah. we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, not that it matters to the full fight, but I think it's interesting to see um, that Zambini's could even get those punches off against, let's just say, a very, very good and talented defensive fighter yeah. without giving the game away. Yeah, and uh, like to, to come back to the, the weight class thing, I think maybe today he would have been uh, at 65 kilos and I think he would have been great at 65 kilos. But like you can't really say he wasn't in the, in the right weight, weight class because he, he fought like at 15 years at, an, at the elite level and he like he came really, really close to beating Masato. Some people think he did. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he, I think, I think he won that fight. I don't think so. But, uh. You don't think so? Well, I, I think he has a case to, for winning the fight. I don't think it's the robbery that uh, Zombie fans claim. Not a robbery. I don't think it's a terrible. It's not a robbery, no. But it is. It is so close, and I think like the crowd seemed shocked, which which surprised me because you would think that. Oh. Um, you think that, you know, back in those days, Masato would never get any dissenting voices from the Japanese crowd, but there seemed that people were a bit, like, stunned in silence uh, at times that, during that fight. Zambini fought very well. 
Yeah, he, he was a good fighter. He's not fight. He's not fighting Masato now anyway, so he doesn't have to worry about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Genotsu is better than some people think, but he's not quite Masato <laughs> yet. <laughs> no. No. It's hard. It's again. It's hard to get the. As I said, there were going to be tangents, so it's fine. It's hard to get across to people how big of a star Masato was in Japan because. Like people think now, like Takaru and Tenshin are really big stars, but kickboxing isn't as big anymore. Yeah, it's in no. These days, kickboxing was so big. You got to think like five years before, three, four, five, six years before, with this card even, it was so big, and Masato was the biggest star. And Japan is famously the second biggest media epicenter in the world outside of America. So if you could be one of the biggest stars in Japan, you're essentially one of the biggest sports stars in the world. And it didn't matter that. Of course, we knew him in Europe, but it didn't matter that he wasn't world-renowned like all around the world because in Japan, he was a megastar. He was everywhere. He was a, a genuine superstar like, uh, I don't know, like LeBron James is in America. Do you know what I mean? Masato was a megastar. And uh, to big people nowadays can't get their head around the fact that a kickboxer could be so popular. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. He, he reached superstar status like a movie star, you know, and... No, no other kickboxing ever did that, especially in the K1 because uh, K1 was all about heavyweight for a long time, and there was a there wasn't a Japanese fighter, a Japanese standout, you know, that were able to, to, to win it. So when Masato arrived and won the Grand Prix in 2003, yeah, it went through the roof, you know, it was it was crazy. Everybody everybody know, knew him. I know I know baseball is big in Japan, but. No baseball player was as big as, as Masato in Japan. Yeah. It's a crazy feat. Yeah, like he, after he retired, he went uh, into TV uh, and stuff like that, you know. Well, he's a good, he did help, of course. He's a, he's a, he's a good-looking guy. He's yeah. A handsome dude. That's obviously helped uh, uh, Takaru today as well. He's a, he's a handsome kid, you know, and uh, you know that helps, especially in a country. They, they love the, the boy bands and that kind of stuff. And they both got that kind of look. Ooh, oh, and don't. Yeah. That's what, that, that's what I'm afraid. Very bad idea to trade with Mike Zambidis. You know, you can yeah. trade with him. It's not possible. He reminds me a bit of um, the, the, the uh, Nigerian legend Dick Tiger. Like, you can circumnavigate him, but if you stop and trade with him, it's yeah. still. And of course, I'm talking about Dick Tiger, the boxing champion, for anyone who isn't, isn't known. He's the one fighter I always hold up as the one guy you would never try and slug it out with. Yeah. Beat him any other way, but don't stand and trade. Zabini's is similar. Like if you start a hook with him, you're fucked. You're not. You're not going to win that game. You, you won't. You won't win like that. You know, it's not possible. Everyone who, who tried the war with him, they they ended up knocked out or almost losing, like Masato, Albert Cross. Walker fought a very smart fight against him in 2006. All at range, all with the kicks, and uh, made it look like it was easy, but it was nowhere. According to Bokao, it was very, very hard to beat uh, Yeah, and he was so athletic. Yeah. Because uh, he, he modeled his, his, uh, his style around his, his, uh, on his size. So you've got the, the jumping knees. Yeah. The, the Superman kick, I, I think if I was fighting a 65 kilo, he would never have uh, developed so much of these, these weapons, you know? His Superman yeah, punch. thing as well, you know, we say what would he look like at a smaller weight class, but then he wouldn't have the speed advantage that he has against... Uh, yeah. Because he's very fast, very fast hands. We saw then on the counter with his punches. I think people never really grasp that as well, you know. It's like, oh, look, we've got a fight coming up. 
Yeah, a rematch from the previous GP. Yeah, indeed it was. Yeah, this is a rematch from the 2009 GP, and uh, the the petrol the petrol win against Kraus, in my eyes, is top three performance ever by petrol. The world the world 2009 GP is uh, the top three performance ever. <laughs> it's incredible. The fight against Kraus, Kraus was getting better. And he was back to his old self, but still, Petro made him look silly at times in the ring. Let me ask you a question then. Your top three Petro wins of all time, but don't include any from this GP if there are any. We don't want to spoil the results. Yeah. So, what are your top three Petro wins, Baba? Yeah, uh, the first is Valdir Shabari. Everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If you follow me on Twitter. Uh, the second one is the one I was talking about against uh, Albert Krauss. Yep. And uh, the last one, probably, you know, I, I like the, the first fight against uh, Andy Sauber. Nice. The nice. first one? Sorry? The first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I prefer the first over the second. Because Sauber was closer to the, to, to, you know, to his peak. Yeah. yeah. So it was very difficult to beat Sauber at the time. Very, very difficult. I, it was six months later, the, the one I'm thinking about. Uh, I, I think I'm going with Falder uh, Shabari because it's an incredible fight. You, you, just to cut you off quickly, you boys both think he's one of the most underrated fighters, yeah? Yeah, I think I, I, we both have him in our top 10 uh, all time at uh, 70 kilos. He's the most underrated by, by far, by far. If, you, if, you, if we think underrated as... Most people don't know a great fighter, then Faldir is the guy, you know. Yeah, it's like him, Dimitri. Not a big, not a big hitter, right? More of a, more of a, a, a stylist, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most likely the problem was the style. Maybe it wasn't, you know, uh, was the flashy enough maybe for the for the crowd, but to me it was everything. Yeah, he would have never got a, gotten a shot in K1 because. Uh, it's not exactly the same problem as it was with uh, Farid Villon, another great, great fighter. Yeah. Who I think would have been absolutely great in kickboxing. Like I think Farid Villon would have won uh, at least a, 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 a max GP if he fought between like uh, in the early 2000, like between 2003 and 2005, 6. Oh yeah, if, if he was in the inaugural tournament in 2002, I really think no one could stand a chance against Farid Villon at the time. So, what are your other, your other two wins, Luca, before we get to this fight? Uh, so, I think uh, the first cross fight in 2009, Valdir Shabari, and uh, I'm going with the second sour fight. Okay, I'm going to start a fight. So, the final, uh, the final okay. in 2009. And uh, uh, more recently, I've been really impressed with, with his win over uh, Shingiz Alazov, who I think is a really great, great fighter. For anyone who didn't read, uh, uh, we had uh, Bubba and, and Shinsuke did a uh, uh, retrospective on the K1 mats. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll link that in the down below or whatever. Maybe we'll forget because we're, we're not professional. Um, but Albert Krause was an early pioneer of the of this weight class and an early champion of the max tournaments. And obviously, like we just alluded to, is he's seen better days, but still a, a, a hugely competent fighter. And uh, 
believe he was a he was a boxer first, right? Boxer first, then went into kickboxing. And, you know, was, I don't think he's a professional boxer. I think he's an amateur boxer in Holland. Is that right, Luca? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, which is a lot of I think a lot of Dutch Dutch kids did that. But um, obviously for us guys, we would see him on TV on Eurosport all the time. He was omnipresent on 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 K1 tournaments. So. Uh, very fondly remembered, and there, there's our first sight of the, of the guy we've come to uh, to commemorate today, Giorgio Petrosian. Yeah, yeah, that was very good. He was he, he, he was a good fighter. What's funny is he wasn't that his style wasn't that boxing heavy at first. No, he was he was the complete boxer. But then after 2002, he decided to switch to to, to a boxing heavy style, and to me, that's what cost him to lose, you know, that what cost him the, the fights against Masato in the 2003 final and other stuff, but he was very, very good. You know, at the time in Europe, there was the Super League, the, the huge Metai League, with uh, a lot of fighters from everywhere, you know, it was European, but there was also John Wetpan and other fighters, and the yep. Alba Post went 5 and with 5 KO. In, in, in wow. The, it was crazy, he knocked out everyone, he knocked out, he knocked out my, my, my teammates and other guys. <laughs> And he was very good, very, very good. Nagashima taking his, his loss like a man, not squinting like a little girl, like <laughs> when Tenshin lost to Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Please, please bury that guy. <laughs> I'm old, man, I'm old. When we get older, we just look down on the young kids as we do. <laughs> As we should, as we should, because... The thing is, I, I was, it's unfair, because I didn't like Tenshin when he was really young, and now I'm a, big, I'm a bigger fan of him now than I ever was. It took me a long time to get on the bandwagon. Now I'm like, yeah, he's, he's good. He is he's pretty well good. <laughs> he, he's very, very... He's he's pretty good. He's probably one of the best fighters I've ever seen, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like 22. Four, it took me four years to admit it. <laughs> But hey, you probably remember, Luca, that I was pretty anti-Petro for a while. Not yeah, I remember that. Not, yeah, but not because I didn't like Petro, but because I hated people saying he's he's the goat by miles. Bubba's with me, and he agrees because I think Bubba thinks Ernesto Houston is the is, is the greatest of all time, of pound for pound, yeah, like yeah. the best ever. Yeah, but, Luca, you you got Petro, right? Ah, it depends on the day. <laughs> Oh, okay. But I think Petro is the best fighter I've ever seen in kickboxing. None of these new, none of these new kids sway in your, sway in your mind. No. Uh, tension, but, uh, mate. Because he's got like a decade left and uh, he's already accomplished very, very much. But then he might retire in the next six months. Yeah. Kickboxing, then we'll never know. So that's that's that, that's the big problem with kickboxing nowadays. It's not so much the talent. The talent's amazing. It's getting all the talent together and, and keeping them there. So let's see how great uh, Petro is. Let's see the kind of things that he's doing here. It's, it's, what it's I love is his adjustments. His adjustments. Cross wanted to, to start uh, aggressively, as he as he should have, you know. But uh, Petro, interestingly, stand his ground, you know. And uh, he refused to, 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 to go backwards. And that's awesome, because that, that's a little one right here. They trade a lot. But Petro is too evasive, you know, too evasive. The, the, the left knee, it's awesome. The jab. Everything. Yeah, I love how he combines the jab with uh, the threat of his uh, lead, leg, lead leg low kick. Yeah. Very creative. Very creative. I think what people don't realise is the 
how important Nian was in K1. Because I think nowadays people think, like, oh, you can't clinch, so you can't knee. And Petro oh. always gave a masterclass on kneeing in kickboxing. Because, of course, you could clinch. It was five seconds at this point, yeah? Five-second clinch. Uh, yeah, and, and I think you you could you, you already couldn't clinch with, um, with, with both hands. Okay, so not with both hands. Yeah. So as we see, like, Petro, when he, he's either using the knee as an intercepted knee, or he's, as you saw there, framing off with, with the lead hand, and then firing the knee, and then getting back out. And, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Fantastic. And it's, 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 it's beautiful to see, because I think that's probably what you guys would have realised at the time, is that Petro was just a master of all the weapons of kickboxing. He could and put them all together so, so well. Yeah, and he was... Never a big hitter, never a big, like, crazy knockout artist, like, sharp, powerful to an extent, but more of a technician. Yeah, he's a, he, he's, he's an, I think he's an above average puncher. Like, he's a, yeah. he's a snappy puncher, but he's clearly not Zambidis uh, that could put you out, like, just or as risky. soon as it touches you. Yeah. I have to get that in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Rissi could just touch you with like a punch where he was standing on one leg and it put you out. That's almost amazing in a way that you fight as regularly as these guys do. Um, pick up a lot of losses um, and there's no shame in that. But Petro was just always on point. Always on point. And that's, that's, I think that's why he built his reputation. Uh, you know, you guys already, and they talk about it during these events, that, you know, Petro's already seen as perhaps the best kickboxer in the world going into this, his yeah. second yeah. Max uh, tournament. You know, he won the year before, and um, but he sustained it for, for much of his career. We've had one one bad performance, well, not a bad performance, one great performance from Andy Risty, really, rather than a bad performance from Petro, in the last 12 years since this. And other than that, yeah, other than that, I think he fought his worst fight against uh, Pet Morakot last year. Yeah, okay, yeah. But other than that, you, you, you can find a performance that isn't uh, at least very good. But if we talk about that fight, you know, we are literally just talking about clinching and kickboxing and that fight was, was weird. So let's not, let's, 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 let's not hold that against him. Yeah. It was a, weird, it was a weird, weird fight. Look at that combo, man. Beautiful, beautiful. You can tell, guys, we always got fights later because the Eurosport logo has a Christmas hat on it. And Christmas was two months later after the, the GP. Yeah, so either they were celebrating Christmas early or uh, <laughs> or we got it late. We usually did. I guess at this point you guys were watching all the events either live or maybe the day after, right? Yeah, I used to get the fights uh, on, K1, uh, on K1 fans the day after. I was yeah, okay. watching live while working. I'm not a <laughs> I was working and it was pretty cool, so I could uh, I could watch it because it was in the morning for us in Europe. Of course it was. Yeah. It was live, yeah. Beautiful intercepted knee. We're not really so much about about crowds here, but basically he's 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 on the front foot, but he's just oh, offensively great counters by uh... get anything off. You can't get anything off. Yeah. He, 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 he yeah. Can't build any offense because Petro's. If he's not hitting him, he's pivoting outside, and then he's uh, making crowds reset his feet constantly. Yeah, and he's constantly moving to, to his left. 
to his, to his right. Oh, see? Now, in close, time up. Get off. Reset. Jordan's yeah. footwork is, is miles ahead of a fighter like under cross. And an experienced fighter like that, but he's not used to it. To, to a fighter that uses pivot like that, you know, who's oh. Oh, okay to, to go backward and fight and still firing at, at every turn. It's kind of like, you know, for people that actually cared about that sort of stuff, the comparison for Petro, well, uh, through much of his undefeated run was um, was Mayweather. He was like the Mayweather of kickboxing. Yeah. Um, but, but more to do with the fact that he could, you know, not really, we saw some slips there that kind of reminiscent, but not so much the style, but more a case of just all-round brilliance and stopping the opponent doing anything. You know, like people like Krause here would look like below-average fighters compared yeah. to Petro when they weren't. That's how he made them look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you, you you can put the best fighters uh, across him, and and he and he did fight the he did for the best fighters in the world, and every time, uh, every fighter not named like Bokao. Look, look almost silly against him. It's crazy. What do we know about his, his background? Obviously, we know you know he's, he's Armenian nationality. Moved to Italy as a small kid, right? And uh, yeah, he moved to Italy with his brother. But what? Yeah. What gym was he at? Who was training him? How did he get this good? Obviously, you know he learned the, the basics at the gym, but he is like supernaturally good at kickboxing. What do we know about his? His background, do you guys know? Well, I just know that he moved um, to uh, to Italy when he was like maybe around 10 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when he was 13, <coughs> uh, he was initially homeless. And uh, he found that gym. I, I can't find the name of his gym again. Uh, it's Satori Laudatorium. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with the old bearded coach, and uh, yeah, he's an enigma to me because Italy isn't a bad like the oh. worst kickboxing country, but it's really not really good. Like you, you, you don't have. It's not Holland. Really... It's, not, it's not Netherlands. It's not France. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not even Spain. Because Spain is a pretty good country. Like I, I, I rate uh, Spain as a, as a pretty good second-rate uh, kickboxing country. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they have some fighters. They can have guys a, that will go to the top level and be competitive, but not really yeah. impose themselves, themselves. But Italy has Petro, his brother, and like maybe two or three good other good fighters. It's really weird that uh, a country that really doesn't have much of a kickboxing history. Produces the, the, the greatest kickboxer of all time and nothing else. It's weird. That's what I mean. It's weird. Speaking of Spain, they had the the double uh, the Wuling Fen champion not long ago. He fought Tafari, right? He was a Spanish guy. I can't think what his name was now, but he was. They have a yeah, Alex Rivas. Recently, so. yes. So they had champions even recently in, in big organisations. So good point. But like you say like uh, Petro's 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 brother's pretty good, but you know again like. With, with fighting brothers, there's always one that's unbelievably good and one that's just good. Yeah. Petro's the unbelievable one. Yeah, Armin is a pretty good fighter. He's just like... He, he's always suffered from the comparison because his brother is absolutely unbelievably good and uh, he's just okay. He's like a good it's, fighter, yeah, actually, got some good We haven't really talked about this round, but it looks like a video game. Like, he's literally like... 
slip in the ropes, knee, back, slip rope, slip the punch, knee, and then just tie him up. And like, it's like unbelievable. It's like I hate when they say Lomachenko's in the Matrix because it doesn't make sense. But this looks like it's got like a Lomachenko kind of vibe. Yeah, but much more than Mayweather, I think. Amazing. But we did not have Lomachenko to compare him to back then. Yeah. Unless you are really following yeah. amateur boxing. Uh, well, he was an Olympic champion, but uh, like... Of course. He was actually quite aggressive when he was... If you watched him in uh, 2008 when he won the, the first gold, Lomachenko, he was kind of aggressive yeah. anyway. You wouldn't have really thought of him as a genius defensive fighter then. He was like... He had a very pro style. That's the first thing I remember when I watched Lomachenko. Like, wow, this guy's built for the pros. And as he fought more and more, then he became this defensive genius. Yeah, there's I mean? a real difference between uh, Lomachenko in 2008 in Beijing and his style in, uh, in the London Olympics. London. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, thinking about it, that probably is the best comparison, really. Like you said, we didn't really have that then, so it's more Mayweather. But perhaps Petro is more of a uh, Lomachenko, stylistically, yeah. rather than the, than the run. Do you know what I mean? Quite interesting. Uh, Yeah, the control of his uh, of the lead end of the opponent and uh, how he's, he moves to the to, to his right to get the angle on the opponent. I think oh, we might see it right. Beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Baba, you've obviously are you are you, are you orthodox or southpaw yourself? When you <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm southpaw too. So, so do you fight? Sorry, are you right-handed or left-handed? I'm right-handed actually. So what what is what? Tell someone who's you know someone who's never actually fought against a, le a lefty. What, what what are the problems you come up with and you come up against them? What does Petro do so well? Petroson is adding you know another dimension to to to, to fighting like a southpaw because I was like a, a basic southpaw from fighting in Muay Thai style. You know I was uh, using my my left leg heavily, my jab and my my right hook. You know all I wanted to do you know is like to. You turn, you turn to the to the to, to my side, you know, so I can kick, so I can kick a lot because I yep. kick. The problem with Petrosian is his footwork, you know. I don't, ha I didn't have that footwork. So even if you was, if you was, if you were, sorry, you know, turning to the to the right side, he's still able, you know, to, to, to be in the good position to get to get his legs under him and get the good condition, and he's got the boxing. So if I was a trainer and uh, I, I I wanted to prepare. Uh, to prepare a fighter for Petrosian, I really have no clue what. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but what 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 you gonna do? You know, you you're gonna say to your fighter, be aggressive. You know, be in his face, uh, use your boxing. But it's so good at range and it's so good, you know, at the in fighting. So it is the perfect fighter. You know. We yeah. spoke about Risty earlier. I think the reason Risty beat Petro was that he was just so weird. He could exactly. punch off. Punch off a one foot, and I find that when someone is, it's the same with all combat sports. When you've got a guy who is textbook brilliant, when you show them things that were never in the textbook, that's when you break the radar system. Exactly. And that's what Risty did. He was throwing from weird angles off of one foot when Petro was not expecting to be hit, and that's how we managed to catch him. That's how he managed to consistently throw his defensive radar off and his offensive rhythm off, and that's why he won that fight. And we saw in other fights he was. He was never that. He was he was a beast. But we've seen him against other world class fighters, and not quite as offensively potent. But I think Petro was just like, "What is this? This is just." And he's a big, big, strong guy. Risky was a humongous dude as well. So yeah. again, I don't really hold that against Petro. Like, so what? You lost to one of the biggest punches of all time. Oh well. 
Yeah, and he's, a, he's really a, the toughest matchup for uh, Petrosian because he's a guy who's got a real will with him. Uh, he's, he's, he switches stances a lot. He'll punch yeah. you off of defense. It's really a, a, a nightmare to read for a, for a fighter like Petro, and that's why he threw him off. Because even he, it's not like just just a knockout. Uh, he lost by knockout in the third round. I think he he, he edged the the first two rounds maybe Petrosian. He had a case anyway, but it's yeah. like even if he was winning the rounds, he was really not comfortable. Uh, I think the only time I've seen him that that uncomfortable was when he was fighting Chabari. In the first round, where uh, where he, he got he got countered and it was like that. You, yes, that usually doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. There's a different kind of stress, a different kind of stress in in, in the risky fight, rather than a technical. Oh, what do I do here? More of a case of oh shit, you know, this guy's this won't stop coming. You've got to be you know, you've got to be fearless as well because you know, like we just saw with crowds, if you do just try and steam in. And you, and you haven't got it in you to keep going, you're going to get walk into a big counter and get dissuaded. That's what we were saying earlier about big power. Like Mayweather was never a big puncher. But I, ta- I, I dare anyone to walk into a shot and just keep doing it. It really fucking hurts. It's not <laughs> easy to keep going forward when you're getting timed with sharp punches or kicks or knees yeah. in Petro's case. You get described, you, nice. you, you get described because going forward like that, it's taking a lot of you, a lot out of you. You need cardio, you need to be good in good health, mentally prepared. But if you're only eating at thin air, you you're going to get discouraged. Yeah, and you're getting countered while you're coming in, coming in, coming in. And even if it's not a hard shot, it's gonna hurt because you're coming in it. And uh, yeah, getting countered just just fucking sucks. So, guys, um, kind of uh, similar to Zambides in the, in, the, in, the, in the fact that he was a fun, exciting fighter, uh, Drago, as, as, as he was called, Drago, Drago. I guess they were trying to cash in on, just by calling him that, trying to cash in on the whole <laughs> Rocky Four, which was still relevant 20 years later. Um, but Gago, is it Gago Drago or Gago Drago? Gago Drago. So how do you, Gago Drago. Yeah. So he was a, he was a fun fighter, fun fighter, and um, again we saw a lot of him back in the day. Um, but I imagine you guys would be able to shed a lot more light, not just on him, but on his on his opponent. Uh, who's he fighting? He's fighting Mohamed Kamal. Mohamed Kamal, yeah. Mohamed Kamal was a he had a weird career. Mohamed Kamal. Um, so he was, I think, yeah, he's my age. So he was like twenty at the time, nineteen twenty. Yeah. And he just beat an Artur Kishenko in the final 16, which was a big upset at the time, because uh, Kishenko had made the finals in 20, 2008. And uh, some people think he won the final in 2008 against Masato. And uh, obviously, uh, if you if you you see Kishenko now, you'll have trouble believing he fought at 70 kilos, and he lost to that guy because Mohamed Kamal is a bit pudgy at 70 kilos. But yeah, he was a really, really talented fighter coming up uh, at the time. He retired uh, not too long after, for like maybe three or four years, and came back at like 24. And had a good career, but he wasn't quite what he was uh, when you lose uh, three, or, three or four years of your, of your 20 uh, retired. But yeah, he was a really talented fighter. And we spoke about Petros uh, being a randomly a random Italian standout, but there have been more than one Armenian standout and good Armenian kickboxers. It's weird that Petro 
if, if you'd heard that he started kickboxing in Armenia, you might have thought, oh, okay, that makes sense because... Um, yeah, but it's not like they are necessarily trained in Armenia. Because you've got uh, Grigorian today, the, the Grigorians, they're not brothers, but yep. uh, they train at the same gym. But they're from Belgium. Uh, and uh, as far as I know, they train most of the Karen in Belgium. And uh, Gago Drago was, train, was, um, was training in the Netherlands at the time. And I think he, he grew up in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. So, so I'll tell you what it is then. It's um, a lot of Armenian people moved and didn't have much. So their kids were built yeah. tough and they went to the kickboxing gym. So that's probably more the connection. Like you said, Petrosian was homeless essentially in Italy. So it's probably why he was tough as nails. Went to the kickboxing gym. Yeah, and you see the Dutch. The, uh, Kamal was a pretty standard Dutch stylist, but he was really, really good at it. Really fast uh, to, uh, at the time. Oh. Yeah, he was fast. He was, he, he was the epitome of the Dutch style, but really, really fast. And uh, also quite an intelligent fighter. You know, he, was, he was smart. Yeah, he had a really good eye. I, I really like his double hook. Like, he, he yeah. hooked to the body and uh, hooked, to the, hooked back to the head with the, with the left. Should we, should, we come back on, should we come back on Tuesday at 15.45 to do a commentary on the ski jumping? <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming this is uh, it's still going to be on. I'm excited. <laughs> so, yeah, the Dutch style, guys. Obviously, we're aware of what the Dutch style is. Obviously, you know, boxing heavy, big hooks. And the joke is, of course, it's uh, the same combination over and over. You know, the hook followed by the low kick. Yeah. But, um, Baba, do you want to expound on what we mean when we say the Dutch style? Because obviously, people the Dutch only style, the, the no Deckers, you know what I mean? Yeah, for, 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 for Tony Deckers. But uh, it's more like the, the modern Dutch style, because the, the older fighter, <coughs> Luca here, is the specialist, mm -hmm. the historian of the, the, of the Dutch kickboxing. But I call it more like modern Dutch style, because it has been their style for 20 years, but the 21st year wasn't like that. But now... For, for like yeah, 20 years, the the Holland fighters they just go toe to toe, you know, and uh, they like one, two, three, four, and the low kick, and they trade, they only trade, you know, they trade, they trade, they trade. It's only back and forth fight because they are, they they are bred into fighting three rounds of three minutes, and uh, you know they they are not like building building their victories like uh, Muay Thai fighters do. So it's only they, they trade, they stand and trade, and uh, some of them. Are, are, are like smart fighters, smarter and uh, more versatile, you know. But uh, most of them are like that fight, you know, Drago and uh, Motamal. This is the epitome of the of the Dutch style. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Kamel is. Uh, I think Kamel is a bit more subtle than uh, most of the Dutchies are from the, that time. Yeah, he can he, he can switch he can switch to to Southpaw. He's more intelligent, and uh, you know when he fought in Muay Thai. He, he showed that uh, he's a very good fighter, you know. He, he yeah, Sayat. he beat Anwat in a... Oh, Anwat yeah, was already old, but... Uh... Yeah. yeah, he beat Anwat, he beat Sayok. He beat a lot of good fighters. Yeah, and Drago is just... Baba Bam punches, Loki. Mohamed Kamal, a few years back, beat one of my, one of my best friends, John Tong Chuatana, who I met once about, uh, I don't know, what, eight years ago. I met him once, so he's now officially my best, best friend. friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Man, John Tong is so good. I love John oh, Tong. Oh man, he's so 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 good, man. He fought my my one of my best friends, you know, Yetkin Oskul. And Yetkin told me, man, this is the this is the most far I was 
from winning a fight. And he fought Senshai <laughs> twice. He fought Senshai twice, Yetian, you know, but he said, Jump Tong, no, no, not a single second in the fight, he was thinking he could, he, he, he can win, he can win. It's wild. It's an amazing, amazing fighter. Yeah, and he was, he, he was very good even uh, when he fought in Kunlun at 70 kilos because I think his best weight, uh, he fought for a boxing title to uh, Jump Tong. I think at maybe one Absolutely, he did. He fought. That's, I, yeah, I saw yeah, him yeah. fight in boxing. I saw him fight in uh, um, a Oriental title fight. And it was uh, after that he had an eliminator. And then after that he fought Uchiyama and got destroyed in two rounds. I think that was actually the first stoppage loss of his whole career. He'd never been knocked out before, I think. And after that he was never quite as good as he was before. But he was, he was like made, made of iron, do you know what I mean? <coughs> yeah, and that fight was at... What did he fight Uchiyama at? Uh, 130? Well, at 130, yeah, horrendous weight cut. Yeah, he was always fighting mostly at 147 at the time, and uh, like maybe two years later, he was it was at, he was at 155. And doing really well in Kunlun uh, until uh, Superman knocked him out. What's interesting is um, well, I don't think either of us guys, any of us, have ever spoken about this before, but we all kind of missed out because you had this amazing uh, era of Muay Thai fighters at 154. Um, and below, and K1 was sort of in the wilderness. We didn't get a chance to see, you know, if K1 was still brilliant from like, you know, 2011 to 2015 or whatever, then we really could have seen a lot of great fights with the, with the brilliant ties there were at the time. We saw the odd one, but, um, you know, there were so many good fighters around at, at max sort of weight at that time. And unfortunately, Max was just not as big as it, as, as it was, and uh, K1 wasn't as big as it was. So I think we missed out on some some interesting uh, K1 cards, to be honest with you, which is a shame. Um, also, as well, Jokicar, like a few years back, looked like he was becoming a really competent kickboxer, and he's just disappeared now. They went from clinch monster to decent puncher, and like he was looking really good. And I haven't seen him fight for like 18 months, two years, so I don't know what's going on with him either. Another one of my favourites. Around this sort of time, two, I think his prime was probably what 2012 to yeah. 2014. But again, only a couple of years ago. And to, to put it in perspective, the ties we're talking about are probably not even 30 yet, and this is no, like I think 12 really years ago. Yeah, and I think we, we, we talk about the prime for from when they were like, well, like 17 or something. Yeah, it's all about ties from this time, and it's like, oh god, they're, 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 they're still six years younger than me. <laughs> It's crazy. So this is a really fun scrap we got here. As you said, like two two guys with kind of similar approaches, if not similar skill sets. Um, oh, and uh, it's a nice scrap, and this is not enough people there to appreciate it, which is a shame. This was five years before people were going crazy. Yeah, I love how. Um... He puts the, the low kicks in these combos, but goes back to, to punching just after. Because usually with Dutch fighters, they just go with the, the big low kick, and it will be the end of the combo. And he just touches it with the inside low kick. Oh! Oh, shit. I like that. That wasn't That's a knockdown. Awesome. Man, you just got your head taken off. <laughs> Do you think he was, too, he was too small for this weight, though, right? Too pudgy, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, I think his best weight yeah, would have been at 65. Definitely. 65 was good. 63 was a beast at 63. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, that was the time you fought at 70 kilos or you didn't hit. <laughs> yeah, 
think we, what, what's great about this time as well, you don't see... I can say what I want because I used to own this site and also uh, my name isn't on the company anymore so I can't get sued. It'll be Ed, but Ben Askren in the corner. Um, but um, what you used to get was you didn't get these horrible roidy physiques in this sort of time. We did in the 90s with the heavyweights. You get these sort of huge uh, roidy guys. But in the max, the max guys, they look, like you said, they're, they're good weight. Uh, good weight for themselves. You didn't get like massive weight cutters, and they look like normal human beings. It's not like MMA now, where they drain twenty pounds of water and then they, the next day, they look like supermen. You know what I mean? Like these look like. Oh. Yeah, this is like normal people who wear like maybe seventy-three kilos before the weight in and not like eighty-five. Yeah, and I think it's it's great. I think that's why you had so many good fighters because they were spending more time actually honing their skills rather than cutting weight. And yeah, and even then, uh, even fight. now in kickboxing, you, you don't get that much weight cutting. Except maybe so some guys like uh, Murtel Gronart who I think cuts quite a bit to, to get to, to 677 kilos. But uh, like Cedric Doumbé, I think in MMA, he's, the, his size is he's, 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 he's 155 size. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if he will go to 155 when he goes to MMA because his big advantage, I think, what throws most people off, is that he has a huge reach for uh, 77 kilos and for his size. His arms are just really, really long. I don't want it. I don't want him to go to MMA. I don't want him to. Uh, I don't want him either. But it's gonna happen. I'm, I'm really scared to tell you this, guys, but um, doesn't say you're recording this call. I assume you are recording. Yeah, I am recording. <laughs> it would be a real shame. That's a good interesting bit for the people listening to the podcast. An hour in when Kyle went red as a... Red as a no, sorry, went white as a sheet because he thought it wasn't being recorded. Also, at the time of recording, I still haven't finished my article for day one of Petro <laughs> Week, which is like it's supposed to lead the week, and I still haven't finished it. I started it 10 months ago. Great. <laughs> Fantastic editorial skills. <laughs> Put some deadlines, Kate. <laughs> I've, I've got to do something. Hopefully, by, by the time this podcast is out, I'm going to finish it. <laughs> Yeah, it's really a shame he got knocked down because I think that's gonna lose uh, Kamal the fight and he's fighting a really, really good fight. It's a really good scrap, actually. It's actually better than I remember from watching it last, like, six weeks ago because uh, I think we've all been on a K1 Max uh, sort of binge as of late. Um, we're getting older, aren't we? And we're all looking back fondly for nostalgic purposes. And, uh, yeah, I've, I know Barbara, obviously, with his... Uh, K1 Max series and we were talking about obviously we were all talking about our rankings and favourite fights from that time favourite yeah. fighters and it's just a great time and even this card it doesn't look as great as say the early or mid 2000s but I still remember it fondly yeah but still awesome it was still great fighters and still the pace is good still the fights are good everything is perfect even if we we were all aware that it was probably it, there was a good chance that it was the last one, but uh, the, the 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 era the, the the level of the fighters was still very 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 good. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, were you aware? Were you aware? 
you guys. Were you aware this was going to be the last yeah, match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as soon as we got a word of the venue, we knew that. Uh, there, 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 there has to be some big problem, you know, because... Yeah, and there, was, there were some rumors at this point that uh, fighters weren't getting paid or were getting paid late. Yeah. And that's always a sign that things are just not gonna go too well. But yeah, on the lineup, uh, I think, like, it, it wasn't quite... Uh, you, you, you didn't have Buakao, you, you didn't have Andy Sauer. But it was a good lineup, like, I think... It's not the worst lineup that there's been on the max. Like I think it's a better lineup than the the, the first lineup in 2002. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't have like what was the name of the Brazilian uh, that was on there? Marcio Canaletti. Marcio Canaletti was yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was 2002. He wasn't as good as uh, Drago or uh, or Kamal. But we obviously talked about recently what our favourite GP was. Mine was 2004. Um, that was yours too, right? Well, what did I... Uh, I, don't, I don't think 2004 is my favourite because it's a great performance from Boacau, but otherwise I don't think... Boacau is too dominant. No, I'm talking shit. We were talking about what was the best performance ah, yeah, in a max, and we said maybe 2004. What was, you guys, what was your favourite max out of all of them? Uh, I think 2008. 2008? Yeah, great fight. 2006 for me. 2006? Yeah, I think 2008 is where the level was the greater. Yeah, and the, just the, the, the fights are really, really good and really competitive. You've got great fights for, from Masato. The final is great yeah. between Masato and Kishinko. But uh, 2006 is uh, to me it's the most impressive. She, it's, it will always be the, the most impressive to me. Interestingly, when I rewatched this the other day, I didn't know much about the Polish guy, but obviously uh, you guys. Well, I'm to, also, Baba, one of your favourites ever now, about to fight, one of your all-time favourites. Yoshihiro, the Mugen sniper, Sato, yeah. yeah. Who looks? Who looks like a Japanese otaku nerd outside of the ring with his spectacles? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a complete fucking badass. He's fantastic, you know. He's, I, I really, really, really like that fighter, you know. He's, he's so good. He's a real sniper, you know. And uh, I like his Not attitude. Knocked Bullock out. Knocked Bullock out. And never gave up, never gave up, you know. He, he was knocked out in the first fight. He was almost knocked out in, in the second fight. And still, still wanted to, to fight him again. And in 2008... That was his resolve, you know. He he wanted to to beat Masato, and uh, the mentality, you know, he displayed. It was like nobody will stop me, even Boakao won't stop me, and uh, he was able to to knock him out. And that's probably one of the greatest upsets. In oh, sorry. Absolutely. At that point, Boakao was still superhuman, seeing him get knocked out face first. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoke and about Pacquiao earlier, similar to, you know, when Martin... Yeah. As a matter of fact, a little bit similar, actually. A little bit of a similar sort of uh, series, almost. Absolutely. You know, at the time, we were on the K1 Fans Forum. And uh, after the fight, uh, like, you know, maybe 10,000 people were, were grieving. Wow. Yeah, and so, like, you, you, you had uh, people for always claiming uh, Boakao took a dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... 
that was in France, most likely in France, you know, in the in French forums, everyone like was like, you know, Wakao to dive because it's not possible for him to, to lose to Sato. So they didn't they didn't even watch the fight, and they were like that. I saw the fight live, and I was uh, telling to my friend live, you know, the the knees, the knees to the body, they are taking a toll on Wakao. And uh, finally, he was able to, to stop him. So Sato is awesome. You know, he's never giving never giving up attitude. Red fighter with a lot of skills, but he was in a in an era field of great fighters and probably greater fighters than him. But he was very very good, awesome, awesome guy. And his fighting era is, is Glogowski, the pole, who I've only ever seen in one other fight, which is against a guy you spoke about earlier, Sagat Pech. I don't know anything about him. And yeah. from what I can ascertain from his Wikipedia, he didn't fight much longer. Uh, I know records are famously incomplete at Wikipedia, but it's not like he fought for much longer after this Grand Prix. Luca, what do you know about him? And you know, uh, not much more than you. Than you did. He had a brief time uh, on the K1 circuit. Circuit. He had like uh, he, he lost to a really good fighter uh, in 2008 in a uh, Poland GP. To Petna Konechny, but uh, the Polish fighters and like the Ukrainians and the Bel- Belarusians at the time, you mostly saw them in uh, in amateur tournaments in uh, IFMA, so uh, amateur Muay Thai, and uh, in uh, WAKO. So uh, yeah, fucking so boxing, and he was. Uh, he, I think he medal like system. he medaled uh, a couple of times. I think he was silver medal at the world in uh, WAKO in uh, low kick rules, so kickboxing, but no knees, so K1, but no knees. And uh, let me just check. And he was a, uh, a European champion. So yeah, good good amateur career, but uh, he didn't do that much in the pros. That, that was uh, the high point of his career, fighting Masato, uh, fighting Sato. In terms of the amateur sort of system, you say WAKO is one of the better measuring sticks because obviously you know people pull out all these random organizations and tournaments and that would you say that was one of the best ones if you yeah, yeah i think that's the best that's the best one in uh but it depends on the on which type of uh, wako champion you are because wako does everything from uh, light contact on uh yeah. on tatamis to uh kwen rules so yeah, but cool. if you're a champion in uh in low kick in low kick rules or in k1 rules so k1 rules just uh, kickboxing with knees I'd say you, you, you are, I think that's the top level as an amateur. For kickboxing and I, uh, EFMA, uh, so Internal Federation of uh, Muay Thai, is the gold standard for amateur Muay Thai. <laughs> Everything else is just like, uh, depends who you beat, but uh, it's not uh, an amateur competition I would rate. Everything that isn't uh, WAKO. So it looks like he didn't really fight much longer after this anyway, which is a shame. As I say, we are well aware that looking at Wikipedia for records means fuck all. But generally around this time, we had you know, we had pretty good grasp on, on when people were fighting. Yeah, and he beat Abdullah Mabel, who was a really, very good French fighter too. Uh, were you at uh, TK2 in uh, 2008, uh, Baba? Uh, not only I was there, but not in the crowd, you know, I was two fighters, <laughs> I, I had two fighters fighting. <laughs> 2008, you say, yeah, yeah, it's when... Where, was, what, what, uh, was that? Where, where, what was that? You were there? It was, uh, yes, in Marseille, near Marseille, in the south of France, in 2008, and uh, yeah, yeah, I had two fighters, I can't remember, Yetkino School fought, my two fighters lost, lost. that's what I remember. 
yes, that wasn't the, the way the, your Shiprim was fighting. I think that was 2007 or something. Uh, Beggar Shiprim fought in 2006. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, in 2008, it's when Yetkino School lost to Mustafa Ben Chimed, and uh, the, one of my best friends, you know, Samir Amosh, who fought to, against uh, Cedric Castagna. Yeah. And we lost both fights, so uh, I was pissed. Yeah, Shifrim Bega is my coach. Yeah. So you see, it's, uh, the pace is, is, is way slower in that fight. Because uh, Sato is always uh, looking for a way. He's, a, he's an aggressive fighter, but uh, he loves to counter with, with his knee. So he he's, a build, he, he build, he build, he's more of a, like you said, a sniper. Yeah. So yeah. you're looking for pinpoint accurate single shots more than anything, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a lot of, lot of looks, you know, because he, 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 he trained in Thailand. He trained in Thailand, right? Yeah, he trained there, fought there. He fought Kaolan Kovicic. Yeah. In Thailand, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he has some fights in, in the Lumpini as well. Yeah, and it was like the big, uh, the big hope for uh, Japanese in uh, Muay Thai rules, and it was like a, some some disappointment uh, when he went to K1 for that. Uh, Polish kid looks decent though. As, as we, I don't think we've, we've spoke about it briefly, but yeah, he's got really that, up, that amateur style. Uh, well, he's like, it's kind of like, like, he's kind of yeah. sleeping forward with his punches, but he's, he's got really good kicks. You, know, yeah. you don't just you don't just turn up to Max, and they don't just use you to fill out the numbers. You've got to qualify beforehand, so he's done something right to be here. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely because he, he needed to to win uh, an European tournament, and I think he did. He, he won the K1 the K1 match East European tournament, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to to enter the final the final 16, and then he fought and beat Sakatpech in the final 16. Yeah, and he made the finals in uh, of the TK2 tournament we were uh, talking earlier in 2008, and he beat uh, Abdallah Mabel, Mabel uh, yeah. with a teammate of uh, Fabio Pinka, if you know. I was a really good French writer at the time. Uh, Abdallah Mabel fought uh, Petrosian three times? Yeah, three times in like a year. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he, he, he was a legit fighter. Uh, part, I tell everyone, you've got another hour and a half of us rambling. It's great. It's great fun. I, totally. Yeah, now I remember, you know, yeah, like you said, uh, uh, Luca, um, Michel fought uh, Petro Nakonechny and lost in the final, but uh, Petro was injured. He, he broke his arm. So Beautiful it's, cross uh, counter. Yeah. Lovely cross counter there. Oh. Wonderful presentation back then. Wonderful presentation. Absolutely. Uh, nothing came close after that. It's obvious, obvious that the uh, Polish kids done a lot of uh, Probably from a Muay Thai, from a Muay Thai gym. 
very Muay Thai kind of style that he's, he's trying to come with here. But he's actually fighting a guy who's fought in Lumpini, so yeah, not not going to work out too great for you. But he's, he's competitive, nice, nice low kicks, nice generally, good hands, quite a wide puncher, but you know, he's, he's pretty good. It's a shame we didn't get to see more of him, really. Yeah, he was a good. He, I think he would have had a good career if he fought more in the pros. <coughs> yeah, his hands are a bit sloppy, but yeah, aggressive but uh, kind of sloppy. Yeah. yeah, he's got that, that kind of slapping style that you see often from uh, guys who are fighting in uh, in the amateurs. Yeah, I love how Sato went for the knee when he was under, turned it, turned it into a low kick. It was very difficult to read, you know, if, he, whether, if, he, if it's the knee or if it, it's, it's the low kick, you know, he was hiding it very well. What's interesting is, um, you guys mentioned earlier that um, it was once the sort of big hope for Japan in, in Muay Thai, and now Masato has retired, he's now the sort of last man standing for Japan in the Max tournament as well, do you know? So it's, like, it's quite interesting in, in that regard. This this could have been the big year, but um, this is God Petrosian is, is pretty good in the tournament. So it's a shame. Never got to win the, the big the big one. Yeah. But, but always, always. And that's why you love him, Bubba, right? Because he's always fought so well, fought so hard. Exactly, you know, he, ne he never gave up. He always tried because before 2010, 2009, he, he had a very rough year, you know, because that was the year Masato was touring. He was on his retirement tour, and yep. uh, Sato was trying to, to, to take his place as the number one fighter in Japan, but but he lost. He lost um, to Drago. Right? To Drago, yeah, that's it, yeah, exactly. He lost to Drago, so the Japanese crowd were, were kind of of harsh with him, you know, like. He wasn't all that guy, and uh, yeah, and like you, and like you said, uh, Kyle, he looks like a nerd and like a, like a supermodel like Masato, so he wasn't quite as popular. Uh, yeah, and he didn't have quite yeah. the backing from the from from the from the Kuwen board that uh, that Masato did. Yeah, got that kind of otaku kind of look to it. But he was still able to to, to come back in 2010 and uh, and enter the fin the final. <laughs> And, uh, Spoilers, but no, yeah, yeah. That, that's why I'm, I'm stopping. Oh. <laughs> I stopped talking. No, oh, way. that's okay. That's okay. I think I basically said the same about a minute ago, so it's fine. I did the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to spoil it, guys, but um, Trojan wins this max. That's why we're talking about it. You know, what I mean, like, I don't want to spoil all the individual results. We know, we know uh, what the final is going to be anyway. It's fine. Yeah. Like I said, you know, this is a week of celebration for one of the greatest kickboxers of all time. Certainly the greatest active kickboxer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Guys, we'll do this four days uh, and our predictions on the on the Friday. And then he'll, he'll probably lose anyway and we'll look like <laughs> complete idiots. Because <laughs> that's a thought. No, luckily, luckily that, that shouldn't happen. It's a fight, though. David Curio, right? 
Yeah, David Kyria, and he, I think yeah, he'll handle David Kyria easily, especially at this point of Sorry, career. We'll probably know the result by this week anyway, because it probably got recorded a couple of weeks ago, so we'll probably find out the results in. But I'll ask Rob Cox if he knows who's won. <laughs> he probably knows. I don't think you guys, you guys, you guys don't know anyone who's, uh, who knows the result yet. Uh, unless we know someone in the, in the arena, no, not really. No, no. It's a shame. I know the guy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait a few days. I, I, I won't say anything because, but um, lately um, I, I told my guy to, to, to not tell me the results. <laughs> I want to know, I want to find out like everyone else. Well, we need Petro to keep winning because there's some amazing fights for him now in one, in one championship, so... Um, which is crazy. Um, if you told me uh, 11 years ago that um, you know, this guy was still going to be the one we all wanted to see fight in the big fights, then I might have, I don't know, maybe I would have agreed with you, but I think the whole athletes going on into their you know, 30s. Yeah, he's like 35 now. Yeah, that's very much the last decade, but that's gone on and on and on. Do you know what I mean? Like Nowadays, it's not irregular. And these days, even in 2010, you would you'd find it um, strange. Is he 35 now? Uh, I think he's 35, maybe 34. Wow. He's gonna be 30, he's gonna turn 36 this year because yeah. I'm 37. Sorry. But I say because we're all getting older, boys. Oh yeah. We're all getting older. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Luca, Lu, Luca, Luca is the young pup in the in the group here. Yeah, but I just oh. turned thirty. Oh wow, wow! You just turned thirty. What a shame. Don't forget, <laughs> boys, ski jumping. Fifteen forty-five <laughs> on Tuesday. Just a nice reminder. Can't so, wait. Yeah, I'm thirty-three next month. So. I, I, I used I used to watch actually because uh, yeah <laughs> because you're a sport. We used we used to have a show on BBC. Not even Eurosport, BBC, and it was called Ski Sunday. And that's how big skiing was when I was a little kid in the early 90s. People gave a shit about skiing on national, on, you know, it was a national broadcast out of BBC. It's the biggest TV you could find. I'm sure Ski Sunday was on the BBC because my, my grandmother and my nan used to watch it. And you'd go around there and it'd be, apparently, I've just searched it, apparently it's still on. It's still on now. It's first started in 1978. So skiing's big in England apparently. I don't know why we don't have anywhere to go skiing. But um, was it was it because of the guy? You know, I, I saw the movie with Star Wars. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even before him, I think he probably started skiing because he watched Ski Sunday and thought, "Oh, I'll have a go at that." It's the other way around. I think maybe you know he maybe tried it because it's not a bad movie though, right? Not bad. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. He was a, a, a loser. Do you remember Eric, Eric Deal, the swimmer? It was a similar thing, you know, the, the swimmer. I think he's from Zambia. He never, he never swam before, and then he went to the Olympics. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. The swimmer oh, yeah. ever. Eric, Eric Mosombani, yeah. He's a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a legend. But now he's, now he's a famous, he's like a teaching coach. He's like a swimming coach, right? He's actually yeah. pretty good now. Exactly. Um, but, but yeah, obviously, Eddie the Eagle was uh, the, the equivalent of skiing. <laughs> 
thank God we don't get those equivalents in, in combat sports where you just get some guy saying, I'll give it a go, and they throw him in the max and he gets killed. <laughs> oh, you, you did get that a, a, a couple of times. Remember Tony Valente? Tony Valente, incredible. The, the guy with the Bruce Lee suit, you know, from the, from the game of Oh, the wow. Game. That guy who got, got killed by the Takariki Koryumaki. Who was, the, who was the Mexican guy a few years ago that had the um, pec implants that did boxing? Do you remember him? I think he was like a, not a president, but like a governor or something. And he had like pec and like six pack implants. And he couldn't even lift his arms up. He couldn't even lift his arms up to throw a punch. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but he knocked the guy out in the first round and the guy just sort of fell over as soon as he touched him. It's ridiculous. But, I mean in a real fight. So we're seeing here, we saw some highlights a minute ago of of these guys, which is the next semi-final, which we've wanted to see just for about an hour, Zambides versus Petrosian. And they fought, what, once before? Uh, I'm not sure if that fought before. Let's have a look, guys. We'll cheat. Let's, let's cheat, guys. No, I don't think no, that's only, for This is the only time. This yeah. Is the only time they yeah, that's the only fight, yeah. They never fought. This is the only fight? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And here we have Artsakh, which, uh, which is the official entrance song of every Armenian fighter ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think they take your passport away if you don't uh, walk out to it. It's mandatory. <laughs> it's probably mandatory, you know. I haven't had the sound on for the whole card, so um, I, I'm not, obviously I've seen it before, but I'm not hearing any of the commentary or anything on hearing you guys. Now we come out maybe to do a leaper. Maybe in the next card, come out to do a leaper. I think she's from. I think she's Armenian. Ah, don't even know that. I see. Yeah, Baba is a boomer. He's not. Baba, you're really old. Yeah. No, because it. I only know her from Twitter. I don't listen to kids' music. Come on, fucking hell, man. You know me. I don't listen to this kid music. How did you say that? Do you Yeah, perfect. See, you do know who she is. You're lying. You're a big fan. You've got all the CDs. I bet you still listen to C I bet you still listen to CDs, right? Yeah, CDs actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh fucking hell, it's going to my DVDs. Oh no, I still I still like DVDs, but well, Blu-rays, but not 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 CDs. Come on man, get Spotify, get Apple Music, get in the modern modern world. I got Spotify like a year ago, you know. I asked Lucas, but Lucas <laughs> always, you know, was always taunting me, so I, I did it on myself. I don't I don't know why I'm talking like this to you. I've got a record player here and about a thousand uh, records, so I'm the biggest Luddite out of all of us, probably. I'm the, I'm the old man. I've got all this physical media, books and Blu-rays and DVDs. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm still in the books, you know, I can I can get rid of it. I, 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 I need a book to read. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I can't read on the tablet. Uh, I like reading uh, uh, manga on tablet. I mean, I've got a lot of books, but it's quite it's quite convenient to read new issues of manga on on tablet on like a on a Kindle because it's black and white, so it works quite well. But for all the talk of the old technology, we're being brought together by Skype and YouTube, which um, so we can't be that we can't be too much of a luddite for, for for what's bringing us together. And this is the you know for much of our kickboxing viewing it's been on on the internet and you know 
Oh, YouTube is a, is a fantastic resource for, uh, for kickboxing. For, all, for, for anything, really, especially combat sports, it's fantastic. I've, I've, done a, I've done plenty of DVD trading over the years for boxing footage and Muay Thai footage, don't get me wrong, but nowadays a lot of it is on YouTube. I actually threw away all of my boxing DVD collection because it's all on a hard drive now, so it doesn't matter. Most people, spent. most people want, won't remember that uh, YouTube at first the videos were like three minutes long only. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you were watching a fight in like YouTube. three parts. Yeah, I used to watch YouTube. The first time I watched YouTube was for like Kimbo Slice backyard fighting, <laughs> and then you realised there was like I'd use it to watch Roman Gonzalez uh, fights um, because you'd read about him in the boxing magazines and you'd go on there. Yeah, you'd watch like a. A six-round fight in four parts. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I That's think YouTube ridiculous. was a big factor in uh, how uh, Maya Manchipo versus uh, Sam Saxi Chachawal got uh, fight of the year, I think. It's a great resource. Fantastic. YouTube is the TV channel nowadays. I want to watch TV and watch something when someone tells me it's going to be on. I can go on YouTube or Netflix or whatever and decide yeah. what I'm going to watch. And uh, we've decided to watch this fantastic Max tournament, and it's great. So straight away, what I remember from this fight is first round, Zambides is like really struggling because Petro is dominating the lead hand position. And if anyone's seeing this straight away, look, they're fighting. Oh, crazy kick! Oh, and the intercepting knee as well. So Zambides can't get much done because Petro's winning the battle of the lead hands. Brother, do you want to talk a bit about what's going on here technically? That was the, the that was the problem with uh, with Zambinis, you know. He was always wanting to you know to, to go to, to that battle, you know, the, the top thing with the lead hand. And uh, against a guy who's whoever's in Muay Thai, you, you, you don't you don't do that if you don't no. wanna fight at that range, you know. And that was the, the mistake Mike made. But you know, with the style he needed to touch the guy to, to, to really sense the, the range and go and go and go at it, you know. So maybe that wasn't for him it wasn't a mistake, but to me in my eyes it was. The knee game of Petro is reminded me of a of a, a Chavakat Habalang, the great yeah. Thai fighter. He's similarly great at the at the knees from distance, unless uh, Petro was was channeling some of that. There, it was great. That's a great comparison, and I'm sure I'm sure you know Petro because, like you you were both saying uh, earlier, he was in Italy and there wasn't like that great many fighters. He wasn't he, he hadn't like the sparring, you know, the the, the stubborn mate. So I'm sure I'm pretty sure he did a lot of studying, of tape studying of the old greats. And uh, when you talk about Shamut Peck, it's exactly it, you know. That's the same motion when they do the knee, exact same. And of course, he did go to Thailand eventually to fight and train and, yeah. and you know and learn more. So it's not like he just he turned up at a gym in Italy and was and was brilliantly good. You know, he toured around and he fought different guys and went to different gyms. I'm sure, and, and obviously went to Thailand as we know. Did, didn't like it. Didn't didn't have the greatest experience out there. But um, I'm sure he learned a lot while he was out there. So um, yeah, and he fought, he started fighting in France really early in his career. So there you go, you know, he did everything right. And, and, but I do think there is obviously a degree of natural talent. You know, you can yeah, put just an amazing guy in a gym and teach him the basics and he'll figure out the rest for himself. Probably his, his coaches are like, fucking hell, this kid is like doing stuff we haven't even taught him. 
Um, that happens as well. Where is he training now? Is he just training himself or what? I think he still has his, at his first gym. He still lives in Italy, right? Yeah, he's, he lives in Milan. And some trainer, yeah. He's got the guy his who's training. Card that he's fighting on is on, a Singapore card, right? Yeah. I imagine that's how they pulled that, pulled some strings to get him on that card. But now we will see Zambini start to get a bit closer in this round, if I remember correctly. So let's see what he does differently. Got to be more proactive with his head movement starters, and that was one thing with Zambini. He's very good at reactive head movement, slipping to land big punches and counter punches. But oftentimes he would just sort of come in with a static head. He needs to be a lot more proactive with his head movement in order to try and throw Petro off. See there, he's trying to react to what Petro's doing. If you do that, you'll just get picks off all night. Exactly. You, you, you can play counter with uh, Petro, Petro He's a sitting duck at the moment, but let's see. He's trying for that Superman punch. Twice now, but that's always, I'm desperate. Petro's just so relaxed. Ridiculous. He's always so relaxed. He always know what to do. You know, even going backwards with um, an aggressive fighter in front of him. But oh. There we go. That's what yeah. we were talking about an hour ago. Yeah. That was a fucking knockdown. I don't care what anyone says. That was. Yeah, that's a knockdown. It means, it means nothing. It means nothing. But it was a knockdown. It was. Yeah, he took, a, he took a punch and he fell. It's, uh... It was good timing from Zambini. That was yeah. it. It was good timing. And he wasn't worried uh, of it. So it, it was not done. He definitely was one. Yeah. I mean, in, in K1, I don't mind that it's not uh, that it's not a count. No. Because he's not hurt and it's like... But if you go by, by, the, by the book, it's a knockdown. It's elementary, it would not have made a difference, but I still think, uh, you know, it, it should have been. Funny enough, Petrosian has is, is, is made both Krauss and Zambides do basically exactly the same thing. Just come forward desperately, trying to wing punches in, and um, you just need to be a lot more... You, you can't do that. Like you said, oh, I don't know why I'm trying to come up with ways to win. Because as you said earlier, um, Baba, there's not really much you can do, is there? Just try your best. Yeah, he's doing a bit better than uh, Cross. He's coming a bit closer from landing because he's, he's, he's so much faster. But yeah, it's basically yeah. the same fight. He's just getting battered with the knee. And, and this is shorter than, uh, than Cross. Uh, Petro can, can go to the, with the knee to the head. Yeah. Oh my god, that was beautiful. Mm. That was Absolutely beautiful. I love how he switched that up then. Showed him the rear leg and then teeped him in the, in the gut. Lovely. Yeah, Petro's got so many weapons. He's got the rear leg, the, the low kick to the rear leg. The lead leg low kick. The knee. He's boxing. And his tip. 
which doesn't use too much so far tonight, but he's, he's got a really good, great one. I think that was more a case of Petro. He's just feeding himself a bit much and just sort of dropped the hands. He thought, I think he felt a bit... You see there, there was no distance. He just thought, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll throw this knee. He got a bit too comfortable rather than yeah. Zabidi's cutting the distance, which as soon as Petro doesn't want him to get close, he can't really get yeah. very close. He's get, like, like, like Luca said, he's getting closer than, than Kraus, but that doesn't really say much. But like we said earlier, don't, if you don't slug with him, you'll be fine. Petro obviously is smart enough not to do that. Yeah. Even if uh, someone, like you say, he can get complacent, then he is reminded and uh, he changes up. Runs again, changes and, uh, and becomes too elusive again. So at that time, the, really, there was nothing really you you can do. It's crazy to say that, you know, because uh, it's a fight and you always have to believe you can win, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was really anybody in 2009-2010 which who could have done really much against Petro. Aside from Boakao. I, I would have loved to, to see a fight with uh, your set line. Yeah. Oh. But what, what rule set? That's it. Then you say, what, what, what rule set are we talking? Are we talking straight kickboxing rules? Would that have... What would you, what would you think? How, how would that have went? It, it could have been K1. It, it could have been K1 because Yotsanglai wasn't like the, the uh, heavy clincher, you know. No, of course not. Not at that point either. Not at that yeah. point. So it, it could have been it could have been K1, but uh, Yot really need, would have needed to be in his A game, you know, because at that time Yot was all about his uh, his left leg, you know, because it was. Really oh, he was amazing. It was amazing back then, though. It was amazing. Fantastic. It was fantastic, you know. It was. A, a real boxing computer so and he was he was you know hitting to the body oh that's beautiful uh, yeah, it was oh, fantastic. <laughs> and you think like body work maybe could have won in the fight i think because pitch showed that 10 years later but uh, the way to beat him probably was the to, to work the body early in the fight we would have wanted to see a power recovery match like the year before this you know what i mean like 2000 oh i'm still pissed about that you're still pissed about that awful robbery. Yeah, it's it's terrible because I think uh, Petros 2009 is already the best year in kickboxing history. But it would it could have been so much greater if like he he got um, he got Boakao instead of Sauer because it already it already beat Sauer one six months six months before. And yeah, in it would have been. In a way, it's quite sweet that you know they're probably number one and two in this weight class and they're both they've got a draw against each other you can't split them it's kind of sweet in a way yeah you, nice. we talked about it about that when we did a, our podcast on the top 10 uh, 70 kilo fighters and we had them Can like we do a plug, plug, plug the podcast because we haven't plugged, plugged the podcast yet plug the podcast <laughs> for anyone listening to this who might be fluent in french and is not aware of your podcast it's all bordering where we talked about uh, mostly kickboxing, Muay Thai, and a bit of boxing and MMA too. So bordering on SoundCloud, and uh, I think we're on Spotify, and we must be on it's iTunes useless. too. useless. If, if you don't speak French, guys, don't bother, because it is all French. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to announce too much, but like, I'd be really open to do, to do it again in English. 
Maybe for the fight fight, yeah. Yeah, well, I hope you do. I hope you do. We've been speaking about it for a while, and now it's gone quiet. So if you want to, if you want to do it in English, then uh, I guarantee you now our mentions people will be like, oh, I heard you're going to do a for the ring in uh, in English. Can you do it? You're like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And maybe in a few months they'll say again, what happened to that podcast? Podcasts are doing really well at the moment, guys. So we can definitely uh, have another one. I'd love it. You should do it. Totally. I'd be done. I'm down. Yeah, we can like we have a lot of uh, like not uh, news episodes. Like we we did uh, I think we did top ten for three divisions now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then yep. you guys do your top tens. Big deal. Big deal for you guys. And uh, yeah, we have, we have a couple of other uh, like uh, I don't know you 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 would say or series in, in English, but. Uh, so these are some of the other episodes that I wouldn't mind doing in English, like your historical is ones. It ju- is it just you two guys, or do you have guests on, or how does it work? Uh, it's uh, it's us. Generally, it's us, but uh, we'll invite uh, whoever uh, we feel like. Uh, there are some friends coming on, coming on every once in a, in a while. That's cool. It's an open mic. Open mic. Yeah. Cool. Even if you want to talk about skiing. <laughs> Ringside. Ringside. Ringside, yeah. At the edge of the ring, 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 yeah. ring, 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 to the 2018 and 2019. We've sl- we've been we've been slacking lately. There's no fucking fight, so. Yeah, there's no fucking fights to talk about, and uh, I think after doing uh, because it's a long podcast because we talk about boxing, kickboxing, MMA, and um, and Muay Thai. Uh, I think the average episode is like two hours long. Doing it weekly for like uh, for like a year, it it takes a toll. So it was. Yeah, it, it, it was a nice for a bit of a break. Yeah. Well, I haven't done my podcast for about six months, maybe longer, so I get it. I get it. But you know, can't, uh, the, another reason we we kind of slow down, it's because of you, actually. Why? Why? Because, because you, you, you did that post on Twitter about the football manager. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we got there. <laughs> I I think I've got like a thousand hours on football managers this year. I think we've got I think we've got we've got to blame our other friend uh, Keith Galvin for getting me yeah. into it, and then me saying, "Oh, okay, I'm going to start playing football manager again." And next thing you know, I wake up some morning to have thirty notifications at his at his Luca going, "Yeah, this guy's looking good." And then someone else saying, "Oh yeah, this is my guy." <laughs> oh yeah, this, then then Bubba going, "Yeah, I've decided this. I've signed him as well." I've already, I've already sold him on. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. Everyone loves it. It's so great. <laughs> a football manager podcast would be amazing. I bet, there must, I bet there is a football manager podcast. 
Yeah, and there's like a ton of um, football manager streamers. Talking about like prospects and stuff and doing deep dives. And, like, I think that'd be fucking brilliant. That'd be so good. Because I, I, I read a lot of um, FM Scout and FM Stories and that, and, like looking for like um, progression charts for players and stuff and who are good signings and, and that kind of stuff. I always find that every year, I always find that interesting. So. I think that'd be good. What we need, guys, is a football manager from kickboxing. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I think there was a, an, so, an MMA thing at some point. So you you start you, you either start your own promotion or you or you or you or you take on one of the major promotions, so WLF or K1 or Glory, and you start with their roster, and then you would have to try and sign free agents or or maybe work with another promotion to find a super fight. That'd be great. That'd be amazing. Yeah. And, there's some good boxing man. There's a, there's one good boxing management game, but and uh, Ed and the, and Brian uh, and Sharam have spoken about some MMA management game, um, which is really in depth apparently. But I've ne- never seen a kickboxing one. We need a kickboxing game, guys. We need a kickboxing game. Ah, uh, is this the time where we talk about the Muay Thai games that never was? <laughs> yes, because I, I I heard those guys from French, but you guys have never had it. You've never tracked them down for me, Luca. You need to track them down. Ah, uh, I'll try. You must know, I mean, come on, you're French, you must know every French person. Yeah, so all, all 70 know. millions of us. <laughs> yeah, the same as me. People are like, do you know the Queen? Yeah, I'm, I'm really friendly with the Queen. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a good old gal. Yeah, and so we get to the rematch between uh, Drago and uh, Sato. Who's and... the trainer? Who's the trainer? Who's, uh, uh, who's, who's uh, that guy? Drago's trainer. Where was... Uh, the... Normally, it's Edwin Van Os, the the, 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 the guy who played right. it Showtime, you know, with Simon Roots. But, yeah, uh, it's Showtime, yeah. Yeah, and that guy is like the, the, the co-trainer of Drago. Okay. Yeah. It was always that. But the real trainer, the head trainer is Simon, it's uh, Edwin Van Os. So Drago had upset uh, Sato the previous year. I think he knocked him down in the extra round. Yeah, which we spoke about earlier. Uh, yeah, extra round, yeah, probably, yeah. Because I remember seeing the fight with the knockdown, so he must, be, he must have been in the extra round. So we're just talking about, uh, obviously, we saw Zabi, he's a Petro, Petro won by decision, he's into the final, this is the other semi-final. Yeah. And I'm just trying to remember, do we have fights in between? We have some, like, exhibitions in between, right? Or is that not on the television, televised broadcast? Uh, I'm not, uh, is there still, like, an hour left of video, so there must be another fight in between. Uh, thank God, though, I don't, I don't think we've got any MMA, thank God. Uh, I yeah, think there was uh, an MMA fight on the card, but that was uh, Ishii uh, versus Shibata. So the Olympic judo okay. champ. But it was, oh, yeah, I yeah, think. Ishii, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Against Katsuyori Shibaka, the pro wrestler. And, uh, but it's not on this broadcast, it was on, on another one. So old. I'm so old that I remember when Sato Shibata was a young boy. Yeah, and I remember when. Uh, Teddy Riner was supposed to go to MMA to fight him because he didn't get to fight him in the Olympics. Oh, wow. Is that true? Yeah, so Teddy Riner had said, I think he was like, in 2010, so he must have been like, I think he's a year older than me, so he must have been like 20, 21. 
And he said, uh, if I don't get to fight, uh, because Rinner took uh, bronze in uh, in Beijing. And uh, he said, yeah, if I if I don't get to fight Ishi in judo, I'll fight I'll find him in MMA. But the judo federation in France quickly quickly uh, told him to shut the fuck up and. Uh, what is the problem with MMA in France? Why did why why has there always been so, obviously now it's it's there but like um, mostly the judo federation because the judo uh, federation uh, is a uh, uh, judo is huge in France it's the uh, fourth most practiced sports yeah and uh, it's one of the biggest purveyors of uh, of Olympic medals for for France of so course. it's really powerful and they didn't want to lose uh, market shares to M to MMA. So, yeah, so when uh, Riner uh, talked about it, they just... Uh, and uh, Riner is a huge star in France. He's uh, like, I think outside of football players, there's not a... There's not a may, maybe some tennis players, but I don't think so even. It's debatable. Well, I, I, I remember maybe 10 or... not Maybe not 10, maybe 8 years ago, people were saying, oh, Teddy Riner could come to MMA. It's like, mate, he wouldn't even make £265 if he had... If he could cut in, if he could cut weight, he's a humongous human being. Yeah, and he's a millionaire. Maybe, that's okay. Maybe in that's, okay. that's okay because we don't want him in the UFC. No, of course. Japan. We want him in Japan, yeah. Yeah. Freak show fights against sumo guys. Yeah, that's what we want. We yeah, Teddy Rina versus Saku. I saw him the other week. Did you watch? Did you guys see the new Tony Parker documentary? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Teddy Rina was on the. At the end, he was at the party. Ooh, Sato is just beating yeah, the hell out of Drago. Fato is unleashing. Yeah, the close friend. He's close friend with the Tony Parker and Thierry Henry. And uh, there was a, at, at uh, Tony Parker's retirement party. So Teddy's Thierry, Thierry, Thierry Henry is the is the favorite of every English mother. Love Thierry Henry. <laughs> he was such a good player. Fans, everyone's everyone's mum fancies Thierry Henry because <laughs> he's just the most handsome dude and the coolest dude. Love of whom? Yeah. He was awesome. Superb footballer. Yeah, and he doesn't get quite. I don't think he gets quite as much respect in France as he should get. Oh no, he's very it's popular. He's very popular in, in France because they say he's, he's arrogant, and because of the handball against against Aaron. Ah. In 2010, yeah. Don't tell me they prefer Trezeguet. You don't prefer Trezeguet in France, surely? Not Henri. Yeah, they prefer like yeah, maybe they prefer Trezeguet over over Henri and uh, Anelka. Anelka, really? Wow. Ah, they don't like Anelka at all. <laughs> oh, they don't like Anelka, no. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, yeah. it's not Trezeguet. I misheard you. I thought you said they preferred Anelka over Henri, and I was like, what the fuck? No, nobody likes Anelka. <laughs> I, I like Anelka a lot. As a footballer, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy like dude. He's, 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 he's a great guy, you know, but um, I like people that uh, stand around, you know. You remember, guys? I'm old. I'm a, I'm a, I'm very much a, a Jokaev and uh, Zidane kind of guy. I mean, I'm an old person. No, oh, I'm a Zidane person. Zidane is my youth. Zidane is the best footballer I've ever seen. I think, apart from R9, Ronaldo. Yeah. Zidane's top That's three players I've ever seen. And Matthew Letizia, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Letizia. Fucking the most amazing footballer of all time. He turned out to be a horrible right wing Tory bastard. It's like uh, heartbreaking. Uh, it sucks. Um, <laughs> it's, it's heartbreaking. It so, was better when you this, you didn't have Twitter and all that shit. 
You didn't yeah, course, get to get disappointed course. by your my, idols. My, my cousin told me, my cousin said, you need to unfollow him on Twitter. I said, no, nah, why? He said, you're going to be disappointed. And then I've been very disappointed. <laughs> what we're seeing in this fight is levels matter. Also, yeah. Sato's using his height, not just at, for the length at range, but we saw them when they tried, when they sort of clinched up in the knee battle, uh, being taller helps big time. And yeah. we, the length and the height is and the level is levels levels important obviously the year before they had that fight but now we see like you said Sato like if you if you tell him he can't win he comes back stronger and he appears now to be like fuck you Drago I'm winning this fight absolutely absolutely he's running through him you know he, the, the huge difference in level because you can tell Sato was very focused very well prepared in the, technically there's a world between them it's showing it's yeah, a, he's just smashing him with his. He's a slugger, really. He's a slugger. He's an action fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a drop in. This is brutal. <laughs> yeah. Generally, when you're done to the to the spinning back uh, back kick, uh, that you're out of ideas. If you're a fighter like Drago. Yeah, especially with, with no setup whatsoever, just throw it, see what happens. Right. He's trying though, he's trying. Oh, he'll always try. That was the thing about Drago, even at the end of his career when he was shot to shit. If you don't put it now, he's always going, in, going to fight. But he was spent, he was spent. Again, he's already fought, he's already had a hard, he already had one hard fight, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what, the, the, the beauty of Grand Prix. The beauty of the Grand Prix format. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic and brutal. Separates the, uh, the men from the, uh, the the best men from the other men. I wouldn't say men from the boys because you have to be a man just to be in this tournament. It's crazy. Yeah. But, oh my god, look at that beautiful textbook combo. So so good, man. Yeah. Yeah, it really doesn't get enough respect uh, because people are like, yeah, some some guy who lost a lot, but it was really. An, an elite fighter who just couldn't get it quite, uh, except from two thousand. Listen, listen, he'd be a lot more respected if people knew what he ordered from Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem nowadays. You know, kids don't care unless they know what what music you listen yeah. to or, or whatever. You know what I mean, back in the day, it was all about the fighting. It's good. We're old, guys. We're old. We're old, we're old guys. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yes, we are. He got caught. Like you said, he's gonna keep trying. Yeah, he's gonna gonna try, but it was too Sato was too good that fight. Too good. Too solid as the fighter. Yeah, he's getting tagged though. Oh. Yeah, but the, the right knee is just too much for uh, for Drago, he's got no answer for it. Problem is, when you have a pace like this and a GP, and you've got one more fight to, to take on, you, you risk training yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's such a difficult. That's why it's such a great format. It's a difficult balancing act between winning, but not winning at at what cost. You know what I mean? How many GPs have you seen where the guy's got cut, he's won the fight, but he doesn't get pulled out, or he gets stopped easy in the next fight, or yeah, there's, there's fights that, that you can win, but that make you lose the tournament. Absolutely, absolutely. The best example to me is Masato in 2007. Yeah, Masato was the best absolutely. fighter. I don't think anyone uh, who's seen the Grand Prix in 2007 will dispute that Masato was the best fighter in the ring that night. I think it's best. We, we spoke about this the other day. I think it was the best performance of his career. That, yeah. That, oh, yeah, definitely. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He, he's never looked, he never looked better and he didn't win. Just to give you guys an insight into the amazing discussions we have behind the scenes, <laughs> we just talk about the same stuff we're talking about here, really. Yeah. Who was the best? What was the best GP? Yeah, that Messiah performance was unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy, but, but, but to beat that workout, you, you, you couldn't fight in a tournament. It wasn't possible. Yeah, and he didn't want to anyway because uh, he, he said right away uh, at the when he, when he chose to fight Boakawa at the quarterfinal, he's, like the, the goal is not, not even to really to win. I'd like to win, but yeah. I want to beat Boakawa and it's a victory. You and and, and, he, and he knocked out Kishenko just after people forget about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. If anything, that's like the most amazing achievement of his career, even more so than winning GPs. You know what I mean? Just uh, unbelievable. Oh yeah, it's a better night uh, than uh, than his than his Grand Prix win in 2003. Is that your is that your top three rankings of all time? At this weight class, Petro, Gorkow, and, and Masato, right? That's your top three. Uh, no, I think I put City Chai at three. I put, of course, yeah, City Chai, yeah. City Chai is the uh, last uh, last decade is amazing. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a great it's a great call, great call. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I had. Uh, Giorgio and uh, Buakao were basically one and uh, one prime. Then uh, three I had City uh, Chai, then Masato, then Sauer. Nice. And then uh, might, as well, might as well round up the, the top ten. I think I had Ivan Hippolyte, uh, Kishenko, Shabari. Kraus and uh, who was my last one? Fred Royer. There you go. I want to see. Um, speaking of uh, Shenko, we need to see him come back. I haven't seen him. I, I know. He, I think he has fought recently, but I haven't seen him fight anything. I haven't seen him in a serious fight for years. It seems so. Need to see him come back. Yeah, he fought in France against Yuan uh, Lidon. Like two years ago, one year ago, two years ago probably, and he just called that uh, Cedric Dumbay, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's going to fight Dumbay, which I'd be happy to see. He was supposed to fight Adesanya a few years back. I would have loved to see that fight. I don't really want to see the Pereira rematch now. I don't really see the point. Pereira's too big now. Even though stylistically, Shenko is perfect to beat him. It's just too big. It seems like it's the kind of fight when they want Shenko to lose, just to tick that box and then move on. I don't really want to see a fight used that way. Zumbay fights um, seems great to me. Yeah, that's a fight I'd, I'd like to see. I want to see... Uh, most of all, I, I think I want to see uh, Cedric fight Amisha. And There's then, not much uh, left for him though. There's not much left for him though, is there? Especially not in terms of... Like, yeah, I mean, he could fight Amisha. A first fight with Nabiev. And Kishenko. 
I mean, if he can make 155 in MMA, he could always make 154 in kickboxing, right? I mean, that's yeah. the dream, right? Imagine that. Are you guys doing the lottery? Are you going to do, we're going to do the lottery. We should do a little syndicate in the lottery. And if we win the Euro Millions, then we can buy everything. We can buy all the big kickboxing. Oh, I'd buy, you, I'd buy a kickboxing promotion immediately. It's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, of course it is. Great way to lose, to lose millions of dollars. <laughs> I think it's the it's the perfect it's the perfect sport where there's not there's not any money in it, so you wouldn't need to be like a you wouldn't need to be like a Elon Musk. You wouldn't need to be worth a hundred billion, but you could also pay the fighters well enough that they would stay. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't need to be paying yeah. them like twenty million a fight. You could pay them maybe a million a fight for a title fight and they would stay but there's not enough money in it you need to be oh I mean fighters you, uh, I mean fighters in kickboxing would stay even if the, the paydays were like six figures higher figures yeah of course higher to meet six figures you get fighters only Rico only Rico makes like six figures right uh, I think I heard uh, Cedric makes in the lower six figures okay well, yeah. like 250 one, one no, more, more like uh, 100 Oh, okay. Something it's a real like shame. It's a real shame. I, I've seen better. Uh, I've seen great fighters get paid a lot, a lot worse. Oh yeah, of course. That's also true. That's also true. Also true. You know me. I'm a, I'm a fan of the lower weight classes in boxing. So you know, there's guys that are like legitimate all-time greats that probably twenty grand was the best purse they ever got. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's ridiculous. So what's this fight? I think it's MMA. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's kickboxing. No. Yeah, Oh yeah, and he's fighting like Seiji Kumoto. I think those are guys uh, an MMA guy. Is that Seiji Kumoto or just? I am just. Yeah, it's it's Seiji Kumoto. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not so bad. And it's kickboxing. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. That's just what you want to see from a guy that you watched in prior. Yeah, so I guess that was the reserve fight. That's the one bad thing I never liked about K1 and Pride. You get MMA guys fighting in K1 and K1 guys fighting in MMA rules. And they never had a fucking chance, generally. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, they loved that. And like Masato for the boxer too? That he destroyed with block kicks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they've been doing this since back in the day, though. Do you remember I found the fight between um, uh, Shozo Saijo, who was the WBA featherweight champion in boxing, and he fought the Japanese kickboxer, um, who was the guy, you know? Toshio Fujiwara. Uh, yeah, Fujiwara, yeah. And he was too small, and he was a boxer, and they're like, yeah, we're doing kickboxing rules. And that was in, like, 1970. So they've always been doing this. They love this shit in Japan. Yeah, I, I, I've always said that uh, for, uh, for a Japanese fan, uh, Kumbay Sports is a street fighter in real life. It is like Street Fighter. I mean, even when you look at the the graphic we've seen throughout this show, the brackets of Max, it looks like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. Do you know what I mean? That's what it looks like. It's great. It's great. Oh, for fuck's sake. Here we go, guys. That's, we'll, 
So right, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy this. We'll enjoy, we will enjoy it, guys. Come on. Yeah. What, what do you want to tell the guys about Yamamoto anyway? Uh, he was uh, he was uh, the Japan one of the Japanese guys when when there weren't so many great Japanese guys. Tough fighter, yeah. but like just couldn't take it at the top level. He fought Petro. He fought he Petro fought and Petro. Uh, got it with by the, I think it was his, the most beautiful punch in his boxing. The first knockdown. Yeah, the counter yeah. one too. Yeah. You, you always see him on see, see him on the Petro highlight videos because one of the few brutal KOs that he has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good to fighters. <laughs> His brother is a pretty decent fighter too, uh, Kiyamamoto, who's fighting in Crush now. So a wonderful, wonderful uh, double punch. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Ikema obviously fought guys like uh, fought Eve Edwards in Pride, and fought Deep Dream, and it's just, you know, Zoronkis and all these guys. So, you know, anyway, watch them and make those points. You would have seen him crop up every so often. It wasn't particularly great, and I don't know why they made this fight, but they did. Ah, uh, you Can't always need uh, some random super fight on the on on Grand Prix. Yeah, you always get some random fight. It's not one of the better ones, though. No, it's not uh, exactly uh, Kid versus Masato. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's the old that's the ultimate. Yeah, that was a nice. Uh, again, I, I like the like catch to counter. You get like Crow Pop versus like Pro Wrestler. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like gets head kicked in. Never had a fight before. Really. There's life. Brilliant. Oh yeah, the, the, those cars. Was it those cars? Junior? Yeah, those cars. You know, but it was like I think he's he's a he was a big guy in uh, WWE at some point. Like I think he's yeah, uh, yeah, Alberto Del Rio or something. The rapist. That was a scary knockout. That was a scary knockout because they they they, they had to, to to remove his mask. Yeah, the mask on. Yeah. He ended. I think he ended up. A, I think he ended up a rapist. So it's okay. Oh yeah, definitely. It's okay. Let him do it again. Let him do it again. <laughs> but I think he had a few MMA fights before that. I think he was like Faven or something like that. Against uh, nobody, no, but. Uh... But that's the kind of shit you would see. Alberto Del Rio was his name in wrestling. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I, I followed wrestling for years, but not in like the last decade. Outside of like, some, I'll watch Wrestle Kingdom because it's a big show. You know what I mean? So I, I follow those guys, Okada and Kenny Omega and that. But I haven't watched WWF wrestling or WWE since 2001, 2002. Do you know what I mean? 2000, maybe, when I was a teenager. But, um,. So yeah, Alberto Del Rio. I think he was champion for a bit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're this name not. I I always thought that was that was kind of a funny thing between the a funny difference between the MMA fandom in France and the MMA fandom in uh, in the US. Like a lot of guys uh, who are MMA fans in the US were uh, wrestling fights first. When in oh, France. There is the double punch. <laughs> oh my god. Well, no, I got, I got into MMA from wrestling because um, I got into wrestling was always big like, when I was a little kid, little, little kid, because I had action figures and my dad used to watch it. And back in those days, like WWF wrestling in the early 90s was something that would be on at the local pub. You'd go to the pub and the wrestling was on. It was a big deal, you know? I got into it in 98, 99 with the attitude stuff with Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I was pretty smart, so I really quickly gravitated to magazines that were about, that were kayfabe magazines that spoke about wrestling 
as if it was fake. And they would do write-ups in there of wrestlers that had fought in, mm. quote-unquote, shoot fighting. And that's when you'd hear the commentators speak about Ken Shamrock as a shoot fighter. And you'd go, oh, shoot fighting, okay. And that's when I saw Ken Shamrock on the UFC videotape. And I said to my dad, dad, buy me this, buy me this. I was only like nine or ten. And he bought it for me. No, it would have been about ten or eleven. And he bought it for me. So that's when I got in the UFC. And then you read in the, the rest of the magazines about Bob Sapp in New Japan. And Bob Sapp said, I crushed by uh, Mirko Krokop. And you're what's going on? What's this Krokop? And then, of course, you see it on Eurosport. Pride and K1 would be on. And I did. I think I did gravitate from wrestling to these sports because there was crossover. Not because it was similar, because the, the na- you would see the same names come up. Yeah. And you'd want to see them in real fights. So I don't think it's a valid thing. And obviously, MMA to an extent comes from wrestling anyway, pro wrestling. So literally, it literally comes from pro yeah. wrestling. So uh, I think a lot of people are really like um, some some MMA fans nowadays hate the connection and they really want to distance themselves from professional wrestling that's just denying the history it's denying the history all yeah because it's Sakuraba is a whisper of course but even if you look all the way back to like the formation of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu those guys were like into yeah. like, the Vale Kudo guys back in the day that comes from like vaudeville shows in Brazil in the 1800s vaudeville like traveling circus shows they were put on these Luta Livre or Vale Kudo shows And even that comes from fake fighting. So, you know, outside of boxing uh, and obviously kickboxing, all combat sports come from fake fighting in some in some degree. There's no reason to be scared of it. I know. Oh but this is, this but in France, like most fans don't come from uh, from wrestling. It's, it's more guys like me and Baba who, who got in from kickboxing like because it was on TV in the, in the 90s. Of course. That's the difference, because as I've said to you guys before, it's crazy, but do you guys want to sort of tell the listeners that we spoke about kickboxing as like a marginalised sport that no one seems to give a shit about outside of a few, but especially in the 90s and 2000s, kickboxing was like a major a major sport in, in France, right? Yeah, it was on uh, TV in Canal+, Plus, which is like, think of it like French HBO. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, you had, uh, you had Deckers, Kaman. Uh, Uh, Rufus, uh, Rufus was a big star in France. I think Rufus is more respected in France than he is in uh, Rick Rufus. That is, that is in the, the US. Because most of his big fights and his, uh, his prime was in France. When he fought Rob Kaman, when he fought yep. Ernesto Roust. And yeah, it was big in France. I think uh, it was even on uh, TF1, which, which is like one of the biggest uh, free channels in France. Didn't uh, Danny fought fight in, uh, on TF1? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. It's the big one. It's, it's the biggest channel in France. And uh, at the time, yes, there was uh, they were airing Muay Thai fights and kickboxing fights and boxing fights. So this is uh, where I got it. And uh, and then uh, I started training. So we got that chance. MMA, MMA uh, that was by accident, actually. It was because I was watching K1 that, was, that uh, I stumbled across the an, an MMA fight. So, It wasn't before 2004. After, after uh, before that, I was a Muay Thai and kickboxing hipster. I didn't want to watch anything else. So yeah, let me get this. Stri- let me get this straight. So you'd have French kickboxing shows on big channels, but like me, you still had to watch the K1 shows on Eurosport. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
because it's the, the French yeah. domestic scene. Yeah, the French domestic scene. You'd have a lot of imported big superstars fighting on cards in in Paris and, and I guess in Marseille and places like this. Yeah. They would be on big TV channels in France. But just like me, K1, you might be able to catch on Eurosport or as we uh, Wasn't K1 on Canal you know, Plus at some point? Yeah, when the Jérôme Le Banner was fighting. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. They probably had one or two tournaments in Canada, probably, yeah. Yeah, I think... Those who are unaware, Jerome Lebanel was a, one of the humongous heavyweights we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you guys. I didn't tell you guys. My, my, my signed Lebanel card turned up in, from Japan. Oh! I got the... Oh, great. I got the it's, it's a beauty. It's a real beauty. I've got uh, Hoos. I've got uh, uh, JLB. I've got... Um, I've got uh, Racer Phone. I've got the other Sefo. I've got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I've got. I've got. I've got. I've got Yan the Giant. I've got. Uh, uh, my my favourite Peter Oates. I've got. Uh, I've got. Um, who else did I get? The only one I want is Andy, but Andy is too expensive. You can't get a signed Andy card. Oh, I've got Mark yeah. Mark Mark Hunter as well, which is a good one. Um, I would love an Andy card or a Masato card or a Burakow signed card, but those ones. They're still really expensive. But the JLB card's really cute, and the, the Hoost card is, is a real beauty. I'll send you some photos later. They're, they're really good, man. They're really good. Yeah. So that, it's lovely lovely to receive all the way from Japan in immaculate condition, just like they were signed yesterday. Okay. And this card seems like it was just yesterday. So here we have the final, uh, Sato and, and, and Petro. And it's no surprise that they're the two fighters that we've been speaking about most. They're the most interesting fighters in this this GP. Yeah. yeah, it's just too bad uh, Kishenko got upset. <laughs> yeah, did you guys think, like, going into this GP, did you guys think this was going to be the final? Baba, let's start with mm. you. Did you think this was going to be the final? If we're talking about uh, starting from the final 16, no, I thought Kishenko and uh, Petrosian would make it to the finals. But, but, but Kishenko got, uh, like Lucas said, Kishenko got upset uh, in the yes. final 16, so as soon as uh, Kishenko lost, yeah, I knew that it was Petrosian and, uh, and Sato. I hope so, I, I hoped at least for Sato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I thought that was gonna, it was going to be Sato. Uh... Of course, they did eventually fight a couple of years later, so we did eventually get the Petro-Kishenko fight, so yeah. that, that's good. In Italy. Look at that! Look at that bracket! Look at the different, the other max champions up on the on the, on the in the rafters there. Beautiful. Yeah, the presentation Absolutely was beautiful. so great. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's too bad they really didn't want to keep uh, Wakao and Nodisawa also on the roster because uh, that would have been different. Because when you the, the same year Wakao won the shoot boxing tournament with uh, Andy Sova in it and the uh, other fighters. Well, Andy Sova lost to Toby Imada in the semi-final. So that's, that's one of the greatest forgotten upsets in kickboxing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Toby Imada was... Uh, he choked out Georges uh, Masvidal too? Yeah, that was... Was it the inverted triangle? Yeah, that's the inverted, inverted triangle, triangle in Bellator.
And I'd like to say one thing. If I had a, a, a good airline, I would have that airline. <laughs> That's my dream airline, actually. But you know, I'm old and I don't have airs anymore. <laughs> That's all right. You get on the same get on the same medication I'm on, and your hair will grow back. <laughs> The young, the young, the young boy in the, on this on this recording still got a lovely hairline. He can grow a real beard as well. I still can't grow a real beard. Got a lovely yeah. long hair now. Neither, but I can't grow a beard. Neither do I. So that's why when I'm with Luca, you know, I don't take much pictures. Ah, the birds doing alright. Like you think, like I said uh, one day uh, about him and Narupol, you know. Uh, Lucas goes by look, I go by look. <laughs> Just so you know, guys, that joke went right over my head. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get that. Don't explain it. It'll ruin, it ruined the effect for those kids. There we go. <laughs> Middleweight artistic extreme. Yeah. Yeah. A very com, a very convoluted acronym, but it's great. It makes perfect sense. That's that's a great name. That's the best description of K1 Max I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's convoluted, but it makes sense. Real white artistic extreme, and we get to see two real artists here. But again, Sato's not going to overload that that amazing brain because he wants to play the range game. Yes. Yeah. Not great. Pavel, what do you think he could have done differently? Uh, you know, even if he's the, the taller fighter, you know, fight closer. Fight closer because he has the... the even though uh, Giorgio has great knees, Sato has better knees, you know, better, better, yeah. better, better body work. So that would be good. The thing Petro did very well in the beginning of the fight is that Sato loves to, to start with a lot of low kicks. But Petro blocked every low kick. Every low kick he blocked. So it's... He took away one of the one of preferred uh, Sato's weapon right away, you know, in the, uh, with the tip and the timing, things like that. One after one round, Sato was already kind of off, you know. Yeah, he's like he's like fight, fighting like like a female fighting a um, Waco yeah. in the stadiums. What was interesting is that yeah, yeah, female fighting exactly. But what's interesting is that we've seen. Although you guys obviously don't rate this GP as much as the year before, we've now, we see Petro against two similar stylists early on in this tournament, but now we've seen him against a vastly different one. So it's how his approach can remain uh, different. Sorry, remain the same, but against different styles. Yeah. You're going to slow you down, whoever you are, whatever you do, generally. Absolutely. And I find that so impressive. And that's, that's what's great about Grand Prix, having to beat different styles the versatility required. It's what I've always said about old boxing. The reason old boxers are better, and I say better, I mean better, is because back then you had to be versatile to reach the top because you would fight every style and every fighter out there and only yeah. the best of the best would be at the top. And that's the same as these, as, as K1 in these days, you, especially in GPs. You had to be the best to really get to the top because you'd meet all these weird and wonderful stylists. 
Someone likes me. I'm not too worried about Petrosian. You're not going to tell me that Petro would have been worse than, say, like uh, Sebastian Zibic or something like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, they would, they would, they would, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like. These were like, decent workmen, like European level fighters. You know what I mean? Like they were good. They weren't, you know, they weren't great. Um, so yeah, I think if Petro made a little short flight over from Italy to Germany, I think he would have been just fine. They would have loved him out there. I think. Matter of fact, I think his style would have been perfect. He would have probably been a bigger star in boxing than he would have been in kickboxing. They would have fucking loved him in Germany. Look at that little little rear shoulder thing. Lovely. Yeah. So Petro do take all your weapons away, and then uh, and then just beat the shit out of you. Yeah, it's really like with Petro, you're gonna lose and demoralize after the first two. But in the third, you're gonna you're gonna every time that sucks. It's basically, um, make sure make sure defense untenable. It just absolutely just break 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 the roof off and then just bomb you. You've got no chance whatsoever. I mean, look at that, man. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, of course, if you're only listening to the podcast and you're not watching along, you don't know what we're talking about. We try to break it down as much as we can, but we do recommend that you watch along with us. Yeah. But hopefully you've uh, picked up... Um, I love the fact they keep cutting back to Sato's wife and kid throughout the whole tournament, even as his face is getting smashed in now. Brilliant. There's his kid. The kid's asleep, but I bet his wife's really upset that her husband's getting his face punched in. Yeah, you remember, like, uh, when the Rebbe brothers fought each other and their mother was in just fucking uh, tears in, uh, in the in the crowd. It was awful. She was in hell, and they were keeping showing, showing that. Interesting thing, by the way, Sato was getting pushed back because Petro has done exactly what you said he was going to, Luca. Yeah. Sato had a lot more success because he was doing what you said, Baba, which was close the distance. By Petro yeah. closing the distance, Sato was having more success than he had in the first two rounds. Um, yeah. Petro's aggression working against him a little bit. Now he's just he, he's putting on a on a beating, but. The first sort of minute of this round was quite interesting in that in that respect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what happened. Look at his face, though. Oh my god, Petro looks like he does exactly the same at the first round of the fight. Doesn't look like he first round of the tournament. I mean, it doesn't look like he's had any fights. He looks normal. Yeah, yeah, he barely gets hit, so barely has scratch on him. And you see, you see, when you see Sato's face, you it's the it's a it's a testament to 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 Giorgio's accuracy. Yeah, he's showing yeah. a nice supercut. Uh, yeah, this round. Oh, uh, but I was going to say, even if you haven't watched along, I'm I'm sure everyone got some really nice information uh, out of this because uh, we spoke about a lot of. Uh, a lot of different kickboxing stories and, and fires and, you know, as we always say, we, we really want to get more people into kickboxing and hopefully us sharing our stories and, and anecdotes will do that because it's a sport that needs, oh, it's that little, little, try to do a little trip there. Uh, that's, you know, it, it needs more fans and it doesn't need to be difficult to follow nowadays because we've got some great accounts on Twitter and, 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 and elsewhere, mainly on Twitter and obviously there's the Beyond Kickboxing 
uh, Discord where people share information and it's great. I think nowadays, you know, it's a small community, but a small community which generally welcomes new new members and, you know, will gladly teach you things that you want to learn and people just want... It's a very nice community of people that like sharing stories about fighters that they like. So I think if you do want to get into kickboxing, head on over to Twitter and, and, and follow follow these two guys especially. Um, not me, because I'm not really on there anymore. But um, <laughs> definitely, oh my God, this is just carnage now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. Slugfest. It's like Slugfest where only one guy is getting hit. Brilliant. Try it. Satonio is lost, but he gave his all. Ah, bless him. Bless him. He gave it his all, as he always did. Yeah. Yeah, he's such a lovable, not loser, but... Uh... Like uh, like Poulidor in France or, or even Le, Le Banner, people love Le Banner and call him uh, Le Roi Sans Couronne, the king without a crown. JLB's knockout of Peter Arts is still one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Oh yeah, in 99. The greatest uh, Grand Prix ever in 99. One of the most craziest shootouts I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's oh, the greatest one million fight in uh, K1 history. Yeah, yeah. 99 is it's the violent thing. It's the, it's the most violent thing in, in the kickboxing history. The most violent. And at that time, you didn't really see Peter Arts, Dutch lumberjack. He wasn't getting sparked out with one punch. It wasn't a normal thing. Yeah. JLB just iced him. It's terrifying. And, and in a fight where he's backed up in the corner and just having a complete tear up and then bang, one punch. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That was a great era too, man. That was a great era too. The, the, that, you know, all those guys. Even guys that people don't rate very much, like Sam Greco and that. He's really good, man. Sam Greco was a really, really, really good fighter. I love Sam Greco. People he don't talk great. about him anymore. People yeah. don't talk about him anymore. He was so yeah. good. People talk too much about SFO and not enough about Sam Greco. <laughs> I first learned about him in wrestling as well. Because he turned up to WCW as like a bodyguard. And I read about it in the magazine, Sam Greco, he's a kickboxer, he's going to start wrestling. I don't think he ever did, but he was on a few wrestling shows. So, you know, it's still, there's still that crossover. Yeah. But yeah, I think he was, I think, I'm not 100% sure, you'll know more than me, Luca, but I think Greco was like a really top, like, Kyokushin character. Yeah, yeah, he was a really good Kyokushin really day. good. He was with, like, Andy, Andy and, uh, and, uh, who's the English guy? Was it Michael, Michael Thompson? Michael Thompson, yeah. And,
And uh, when he came back, it wasn't the same Petrosian. He was much more aggressive and he was looking to, 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 to kill people, you know? And that was awesome. That was awesome because for like four or five fights, he was knocking people left and right and he was fighting very aggressively. And uh, I really loved that uh, shift of, uh, of, of, of style, you know? But, uh, so that's probably the, the best thing I liked uh, after that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Petro is better uh, now than he was in like 2012. Like yeah. when he was, the, the early part of Glory when he wins that tournament against uh, Van Roosman in the final. I think he's a better fighter at that point uh, uh, now from 2015 to to now than he was at uh, in this period like sort of 2012 2013. And yeah, I think my favorite moment would be uh, when he beat Chingiz Alazov. I was about to say, I was, just, I was, I was hoping you wouldn't say that because that was probably going to be the best one, the best one for me. Alas, Alas of when was only a couple. Was that 2019, 
Ah, I'm hoping for Superbon because I think it's the best. I, I think Superbon deserves it because he beats Stichai, and that's really. Uh, I think he deserves it too, and I'd like to. See, I, I hope to see the fight, but I'm not as intrigued by it because I think Petro beats him. Because Marat struggled with Sos, I struggled with Sospo, except uh, he, took, he took him five tries to beat uh, City Chai. Of course, of course. And I think it's really a bad matchup for Marat. I'm much more interested for Marat in uh, the fight I really want to see for Marat is uh, against Typhoon Oskan. And, and you, Baba? Uh, this is exactly it. You know, I, uh, nothing else to add. <laughs> this is exactly it. This is the only course of action they have, they have to take, you know. It's, it's really easy to make, actually. But I'd like to from, a from a technical standpoint, it's a hard fight to figure out who would win. So I understand. Yeah. I'd be like, it'd be very, very tricky. Because Superbon's on a great, great run as well. To be honest, I wouldn't mind Superbon or, or Mara. I don't really mind um, uh, who, who would who would get the next fight. Either way, I'd like to see the winner fight the other guy. Um, let me ask you a question. You guys are sort of similar or both got Petro sort of that top two or three or number one of all time if Petro beats both of those guys he's the greatest of all time right oh yeah definitely yeah yeah so I'm ready even at, even at that age even at this age we've still got a lot to look forward to and yeah. that's why I think it's important for us to look back you know 11 years ago uh, just over 10 years ago but you know calendar years 11 years ago and see what was one of his one of his great moments and uh hope everybody listening has enjoyed and i hope you guys have uh, enjoyed uh recording it as much as i have because it's just great to oh yes it was, it was fantastic that was awesome really really need to well, need to do this uh, more often absolutely and uh, you guys need to do the the english podcast 100 and uh and i hope anybody listening knows that the fight sites is trying to bring you guys as much interesting content as possible as regularly as possible on as many different sports as possible um, and I hope you come back for uh, all the other exciting kickboxing content we've got and if those guys want to learn more about kickboxing where can they where can they catch you guys on, on Twitter? Yeah, mostly on Twitter I'm uh, Lucas underscore Bourdon and uh, me it's at Baba Smith but we'll uh, I, I guess we'll put that in the description or something We'll, we'll put it in the description because of your sexy French accents and, you know, the, the guys might not be able to understand, uh, even though I can. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not really on Twitter anymore, so catch us uh, at fightsite.com, but uh, that's the Twitter handle, or thefight-site.com. 
Although, let's be honest, if you listen to this podcast, you already know who we are, so I'm wasting my breath. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening. If you've got to the end, and again, thanks to you boys for joining me. It was absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank thanks. You. Anytime.